deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the griffin. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for laughs fans. I am your host, DC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, how you how you doing? We are we are in the midst of reading a pretty bad book. Uh, mm-hmm. The world seems to be falling apart. The author of said book is making everyone's life miserable online. How are, how are you holding up? What are you what are you up to? I'm so tired. Did I say that last <laughs> week? <laughs> probably, probably, but it's true, right? Mm-hmm. It bears repeating. Yeah, I'm 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 the same. <laughs> Have you have you taken up any like quarantine activities? Are you are you are you reading anything besides Harry Potter? What's 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 keeping you sane? Considering we've got uh, uh, all this all this going on with our book right now. Oh, I'm not sane anymore. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. No, yes, no, nothing. This is That's right. this is all it is. Um, I guess we've we've established on on the common room episodes that both of us are fully in. Uh, uh, what we call uh, goblin mode. Uh-huh. Uh, and that has continued, I think, this entire time. Yeah. Uh, goblin mode has continued all, mm-hmm. the, all the way through quarantine. And will probably not stop. Yeah. Why would it? Why would it? Why would it, indeed? We, um, uh, we had kind of a slow news week this week, which is why, which is why I was Thank asking. God. Because, yeah, because I thought that maybe, maybe with, with less uh, uh, stuff to worry about, uh, in regards to J.K. Rowling happening this week, maybe maybe there was some some time to stop and smell the flowers, but uh, but uh, there's there's still some stuff, there's still some stuff happening. Um, I think my favorite thing is uh, we got we got one more celebrity, one more one more celeb on the pile uh, responding to J.K. Rowling's uh, uh, manifesto and whatnot. Did you see? Did you see all this stuff with? Um, I wanted to say Miriam Margoyles, but it's <laughs> Miriam Margolias. Margol Margolis. I'm not sure how to pronounce that, but she played Professor Sprout in the movies. Um but did but did you read that interview with I her? I did see that. It's 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 very sweet. She is uh 79 years old and she says some very 79-year-old things in in <laughs> in the article. Um may, maybe not the most tactful, but it ends on such a good note. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering if, if JK is going to respond to this one. Cause she's clear. I mean, the, as we've learned with like the way that JK has like been talking about this and stuff on Twitter, like she's clearly like reading everything, right? Like she's not, she's not a, ignoring people's reactions to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and this one where, uh, uh, Professor Sprout, Sprout's actress from the films says, I know what's happened. J.K. Rowling has a rather conservative view of transgender people. I don't think I do. It's a matter of personal happiness for people, and I think that's what you should concentrate on. If you seriously want to become a woman, you should be allowed to. You can't be a fascist about it. I think it's confusing. <laughs> Just boom goes the dynamite on that one. Like, like she's very, it's very measured for the first few sentences, and then just, you can't be fascist about it. It's so good. What Thank a, you. What a great great conclusion yeah because like for the most part it's just very like you know 
milk toast, like, oh, do whatever makes you happy, like, yeah. you know, like old lady stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But but that that last line is a <laughs> is a zinger. I love it's that. A, it's a real zinger. I I respect it a lot. I I think it's great, and I I just I I I've got to see J.K. Rowling respond to this one because like. No one, as I think, I think that most of the statements have been like at least a, a, like a base level pretty good. Um, you know, there I've I've not to be fair, I'm not expecting much out of like rich celebrities, right? But I would say that like most of them have been pretty good. I think the screenwriters one where clearly he had a little less um, uh, uh, like public facing stuff to worry about. He, you know, he went a little harder. But just having someone say, uh, just call J.K. Rowling's <laughs> behavior fascist is, uh, I wonder if she's gonna, gonna have a rant about that one. She's gonna say, oh, oh, I signed, this is just what the Harper's letter was about. I'm being called a fascist for my beliefs simply because, simply because I have a different opinion. That's, yeah, that's classic. Um, I, I'm a little out of touch with J.K. Rowling just because I did unfollow because mm-hmm. uh, I, I couldn't take it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know. I, like, I go and I check in, but I don't have, like, the temperature, I guess, anymore. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, she's she's still doing, she's been doing the Ichabog, uh, uh, you know, illustration stuff. She's been... Uh, pushing her new detective novel. Um, we got a title. We got like a cover and a release date for uh, the next Corman Strike book. So I th- she's kind of moved on to pushing that now. I think mm-hmm. um, some funny details about the Ichabog. So the Ichabog has ended finally after fifty-seven fucking chapters. Yeah, I really thought that it was going to end, and I was going to read it just because I like. How could I turn away from mm-hmm. J.K. Rowling writing what she calls a political, a political fairy yeah. tale? Like, I'm so curious. And then I saw how freaking long it is, and was like, <laughs> "No way, I'm not. I'm not reading that." Uh, we've. I, I. I want to at least read like a good synopsis of it at some point. Um, just cause I am very curious about like the themes, I, I, like I'm torn between it, right? Cause on one hand, it's like, I don't want to read anything else from JK Rowling any more than I have to for this show. Right. On the other hand, I think there is something, uh, interesting there in terms of like, I would love to know what this very famous, very influential, uh, awful person is putting out there for children right you know like mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm very curious to know like what her what her angle is with this book um uh, we kind of looked over this because now it's out in its entirety and we looked mm-hmm. over some some synopsises. yeah synopsises. yeah uh, last night and and i think that you nailed it which is that without reading it, it just really sounds like a mid two thousands like war on terror Iraq war. Yes, yeah. Story, which is which is really funny, and it's that very, does yeah. that does like line up with her story about like when she wrote it and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, because it was originally written as like a charity gig thing, and she said that it, it like when 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 it was coming out now she kind of hilariously got out in front of it and was like, this has, this has nothing to do with any politics of right now. You know, like, like uh, it's not about the coronavirus. Uh, and, uh, or, or, and, and I think the unspoken thing was like, it's not about like my trans stuff. 
Um, but uh, I, I, I'm just so curious, right? Because who knows? It's a fuck. I mean, it's 57 fucking chapters long. Who knows? You can slip a lot of stuff in there, even if it is a boring uh, Iraq War metaphor. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's the thing: is the devils in the details. I read like a a guide about like the themes on like a, <laughs> a, a little bit of a suspicious Sparknotes style uh, website, and of course the first one is like feminism, and uh-huh. um, and it's, I mean just again classic liberal girl power feminism type stuff, I mm-hmm. guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but but as far as I can tell, as far as I can piece together, I'm just going to tell what I think the story is about. It might not yeah. be right. I, I think it's about a kingdom and there's like a king who is influenced by his uh, greedy advisors to raising taxes on the people uh, to fight a nebulous threat called the Ichabog and there have been a lot of vicious rumors about the Ichabog, and they tax the people so much that people go hungry and and end up in orphanages and people die and stuff to like maintain this war machine against the Ichabog. Somebody goes out, finds the Ichabog. At first I thought that it was like, oh, the Ichabog is nice, mm-hmm. but I don't think that's what it is. I think they might tame him like an animal. <laughs> And the Ichabog um. maybe dies and has, like, baby Ichabogs, but the baby Ichabogs are nice. (laughs) So Hmm. so I think that might be Osama Bin Laden, but I'm not quite sure. I'm I'm very stuck on the, like, oh, it's the nice king who was tricked by his advisors into Mm. doing all the war stuff thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because because that, to me... (laughs) feels like someone working through being disappointed in Tony Blair. <laughs> like, like, who, like who, are, who are the evil advisors in that, in that scenario? I, well, I just, I, I like the idea that, that, that it's like, Oh, all the evil advisors. Cause I think it's like Kings from, it's not just like his advisors. I think it's like other Kings too. So it's like, Oh, George W. Bush roped Tony Blair into invading Iraq with him or whatever. And I, I, think, I guess for, from my American-centric perspective, I was like, oh, it sounds like George W. Bush being tricked by Dick Cheney. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it, it sounds like it might be that level of, like, discourse. Uh-huh. I'm just like, like, oh, he's not so bad. He's just dumb. And then, then everyone else is controlling him from behind the throne or whatever. Um, Some really smart stuff. It's just really, yeah, really, really smart, engaging, original political satire. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I will probably... As 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 one of the world's prominent hate readers, I will probably at some point dive into the Ichabog. I don't know if I will finish. I don't know <laughs> if I will even attempt to. But I, I have to see what she considers a political fairy tale. Like that's just such a that's such such a compelling pitch to me. Like like in just such a dark way, especially right now. It's like what does what does political fairy tale mean? Coming from someone who wrote Harry Potter, which is, I, I would say, maybe even though she doesn't realize it, is a political fairy tale. I think if I was going to hate read something that she she wrote, I'd probably pick the detective novels. Mm, yeah, that's more enticing, probably. At least, at least there's funny stuff in that. Like, can we? Okay, we have never talked about this on the show. Um, we talked about it 
in our let's play of uh of of the um order of the phoenix game i i i feel like the people deserve to know about the the cormoran strike boob grab thing oh is that where we talked about it yeah it's only it's only in our in our very long let's play which by the way if you've not seen it is very good and it is and it is free now because of because of coronavirus but um but 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 for those who have not watched that or don't know uh there is a scene in in Cormoran Strike that we were made aware of that we we talk about that that is so fucking funny I, every time i remember i'm like was that real was that is that really part of the book um <laughs> let, let me let me find this really quickly uh I, I believe it is also the like meet cute of the two of the two is. main characters yes uh okay where is it there's it's called like there's like the say it ain't so uh mr strike or whatever article that has this Cormoran strike boob grab <laughs> get google search well it worked Oh, you got it? Of course. Perfect. Of course. Yeah. Um, so this is actually like part of a blog post. Someone read this this book and got so incensed that they went on their blog and was like, I'm making a post about how, how this book is sexist. So mm -hmm. good for them. Um, let me see. Oh, but sadly it does not. It's like there are a lot of quotes. So I'll read from the blog post. This is... Hold uncensored, and the blog post is titled That Sexist Mr. Galbraith. On page 15, Robin Ellicott, a quote, tall and curvaceous young secretary, is about to enter the office of a world weary private investigator named Corman Strike for the first time. At that moment, Cormoran, a big guy around 210 pounds, rushes out the door and crashes into her. Robin falls backwards, dangerously close to the open stairwell behind her, but Cormoran, quote, seizes a fistful of cloth and flesh and quote, with a wrench and tussle pulls, pulls her toward him to safety. But wait, <laughs> what is it he gets hold of to save her an arm, a coat, a belt? No quote. He saved her by grabbing a substantial part of her left breast. <laughs> this is. <laughs> I, I stand by the idea that if someone is falling backwards mm -hmm. down the stairs, yeah, absolutely. Like reach out with your big Corman strike hand and mm -hmm. grab like a fistful of the front of their shirt. Yeah. I, I think if you like grabbed a handful of boob, that person would, would fall. I don't, yeah. I don't agree with the logistics here. <laughs> the logistics of this are so funny. Cause she is like literally falling downstairs. Like, like, like it's, they, they film this like, like beat for beat in the show as well. And like, I tried to watch that and, and it's the same thing. Like he just like grabs her by the chest and yanks her up by the boob. And like, I just, the logistics of that are so, so good to me that it, that is the, and like, <laughs> this is where the, you know, the esteemed author of Harry Potter went i i guess this is what she wrote right after her political fairy tale that sat on the shelf for 10 years but like going from harry potter to like this is my hard-boiled detective story and he grabs it he grabs a titty and and pulls someone up by it is so good so funny just just a disaster how just, <laughs> how 
Why? And once again, just like proof that like you, when you're a certain level of author, you are just untouchable. Like no, no, no editor would let this pass. And just like just say grabbed her by the collar or grabbed her by the chest or something. Don't you don't need to grab someone by imagining someone dangling by one boob like down a stairwell is just <laughs> i mean if she is really if she is really falling with like the full weight of her body that's yeah. so horrible <laughs> he would he would be honestly he'd be like liable to like i don't know just make it worse like just She'd like slam into the wall or something, like by like swing around. Like it's terrible. I don't know. This is this Great is so writing. funny to me, and I just and I just really want to go in on Corbin Strike right now because what the oper- when the opportunity arises, I want to. And yeah. and I and I, you know, I was looking for, around for information about the Ichabog last mm-hmm. night because I knew it was out all the way. So I was like, let's see a review. Um, and yet I was thoroughly derailed within <laughs> the very first sentence of this telegraph review. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a three out of five stars, by the way. Uh, I didn't read the rest of the review because this first sentence knocked me on my ass. Fairy tales have a strong hold on J.K. Rowling's imagination. Cormoran Strike, the hero of her detective novels, reveals in one of the books that he is named after a giant in an old Cornish tale who was killed by Jack, quote, of Beanstalk fame. I, (laughs) I, what the fuck kind of hard-boiled detective story reveal is that? I am obsessed with this. I... This is so fascinating to me in the context of us reading Deathly Hallows, because one of our, like, main complaints with Deathly Hallows is that, like, it revolves around a fairy tale that is supposed to be, like, an important cultural touchstone that is not revealed until right now. Mm -hmm. And it is so funny to me that, like, clearly, I guess post-Deathly Hallows, fairy tales just became her favorite thing. And, like... What a how unfortunate that like she she acquired that particular hyperfixation writing book seven instead of like I don't know working that in all the way through the series <laughs> right because because clearly she cares about that stuff now and really likes it and 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 but like none of that appeared until I until I guess around two thousand seven. Wonderful. Very powerful. Uh, I, yeah, Cormoran Strike sounds like a disaster top to bottom. Um, the subreddit has, uh, a, a thread for, like, the new, the new book coming out. It has, like, 30 replies. And I know that's, like, I know the Reddit going audience is not the Cormoran Strike audience. I know these books sell quite well, but, like, that is just such a funny snapshot of, like, where her, like, fandom has moved to, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's no longer like young people. I'm assuming that most people who are interested in uh, Corman Strike are probably like you know picking up a book at the train station or the airport or whatever. It's uh, <laughs> it's quite a shift. Yeah, and I think even the Harry Potter subreddit has always been like pretty pretty lukewarm on Corman Strike for yeah. anyone that's like picked it up. They're like, yeah, it's it's not that good for like whatever reasons. Uh, but it's funny seeing the reasons because I would often argue that, that those issues are also present in Harry Potter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, well, it's, it's funny that there's, there's something for Harry Potter fans to read with enough of a level of like removal from it to like, be able to see those flaws. Right. Mm-hmm. And like to criticize that they, like, like they are able to criticize JK Rowling's writing 
just like from from that 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 distance of like oh well this is her other book which is not quite as good even, even though it might contain similar uh similar issues what kind of scene do you think the main like the the gritty main character of the detective novel uh, i believe like his other characteristics are like he's a war veteran and uh he's yeah. apparently huge um and what what are the circumstances that he has to re- reveal to someone that he is named after a giant from Jack and the Beanstalk? <sighs> That's a good question. I, Do you I think can... maybe the boob grab? Like, she's, like, leaving. She's like, you grab my boob, I'm leaving. And he's like, wait, I'll reveal, <laughs> I will reveal my secret to you. <laughs> maybe, maybe she's like, oh, I'm leaving, pervert. Go and, go and yank your beanstalk over it. And he's like, oh, why did you say that name? I was named after the beanstalk. <laughs> I can see two options. Uh-huh. Uh, I I could see either it is a a mystery that contains a lot of um, other uh, uh, fairy tale related related clues, and and Cormoran Strike kind of like mulls over this and it's like, oh yeah, I was also named after a after a, a fairy tale of, of Jack Beanstalk fame. Um, or uh, it's going to be uh, like that. This is his one sensitive, sheepish reveal to his love interest. Mm. Like, 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 oh, he's so cool and strong and smart, and 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 you know, a good detective. And he, you know, he's he's a little, he's a little, he's a little weird, but he's you know, he's 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 a good detective. But uh, but you know, deep down, he's just thinking about those beans. Like that's yeah. that maybe that's maybe that's where it where it comes up. I mean, I bet the real answer is that like maybe he and the the love interest like do it for the first time, and it's like pillow talk, like they're oh, laying in, like they're yes. they're like laying in bed. Yeah, and she's like she's like Cormoran. What a strange name. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's after the giant, you know, of Beanstalk fame. <laughs> oh no oh perfect and th- and that ties into my first prediction too because then maybe she goes like oh but um i'm gonna climb that beanstalk again cormorant <laughs> oh no, yeah because i think it's also got a tv Fade show so that sounds really good yeah perfect oh my god <laughs> i like actually you know now now that i think of it i really like our version of cormorant strike maybe we should once we're done rewriting all of harry potter we'll rewrite cormorant strike as well yeah, I think we've got some good ideas. <laughs> he's really good at fucking, but also he just keeps on talking about fairy tales whenever he, whenever they're done. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Okay, we have to stop because now I've got fifo fum stuck in my head, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say something I'll regret if we don't move on. Before we move on from Ichabog and Cormoran Strike, I do want to read a real sentence from the Wikipedia synopsis of the Ichabog. 
Yeah. It's a short one, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first Ichaboggle to be bonded kills Flapoon <clears throat> due to being bonded in fear of his gun. This is a real sentence in the <sighs> synopsis of the Wikipedia page. I know this is super unfair because I'm just like plucking it out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't know what any of the words mean, but I, that is the point as I was trying to skim this and figure out what the Ichabog is about that I was like, I can't read this. I'm not going <laughs> to read this. Is I'm assuming that's supposed to be like out of out of the mouths of babes type thing. Like a little child has has said the obvious about the, the Ichabog or whatever. But I uh, think it's like I Or was that the Ichabog talking? Is, is, I think it's the Ichabog reproducing. I'm pretty sure that the uh, Ichabog is scared and like like a spore, it's like it's being another wounded. Ichabog is oh it's I don't know. I can't, I'm not going to read it. The king's name is Flapoon. I'm not a big fan of that. Um, yeah, uh, so that's that's what um, that's what the Ichabog stuff's up to and what JK's up to. But she, she took a little time this week, too, to join our favorite website initiative. <laughs> you, uh, you, you made me aware of this uh, just now. I, I missed this. Uh, mm. Wizarding World, after taking two weeks to, like regroup i guess on this uh this wizarding world at home thing um they just kind of shotgunned out the rest of these chapters huh like yeah like it sure seems like they just kind of wanted to be done with this thing um and so we we got another celeb one so obviously last week we were talking about the one with tom felton and and the other malvoy actors um then uh, we got a double helping with one featuring Dakota Fanning and who else? Claudia uh, Kim. Claudia Kim, uh, Nagini, the human woman. And then we got the final one, which hats off to us. I think we deserve props for this. Mm. We, we called both of these things. <laughs> Uh, which is that the final chapter not only includes a cameo from J.K. Rowling herself in her honestly ghastly reading room, uh, from the looks of it, um, mm-hmm. uh, and then a bunch of families of Harry Potter fans. The real celebrity reader was you! I, you know, we, we talked about this and we were like, it's going to be one or the other. It's going to be J.K. Rowling or it's going to be... You know, you you were the you were the time person of the year all along. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it was both. It was both at the same time in the same episode. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they got some just random families to get on Skype and do some reading. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. This, so this makes me real. This makes me think. Mm. Do you think that the two week break was because? the um the like the celeb ones that came out with tom felton the others were were recorded earlier and were ready to go but they couldn't find anyone for the last one and they spent two weeks organizing this thing with the families i can't figure it out because i i'm i'm full of conspiracy theories especially because it felt like the readings were like ramping up and Mm -hmm. getting celebrities that were like honestly kind of famous and from a lot of different stuff like they got david beckham david beckham is probably just weird other than like eddie redmayne and daniel radcliffe yeah yeah and like they got um 
I, I know that what's his name? David Tennant is like, yeah, um, in Harry Potter, obviously, but he's also actually I don't really know much about his career outside of like Doctor Who. He's he's a very prestigious stage actor right now, from what I that's understand. cool. Yeah, but yeah. people love that guy. Um, so I thought that it was going to move more in that direction. And so there's a conspiracy theory side of me, which is that they had it all recorded with other big celebrities and a bunch of them got scrapped and then they had mm-hmm. to go and, and, you know, find Tom Felton in the woods, <laughs> you know, hit up Claudia Kim. And I'm not trying to be rude to these people, but like, they're pretty much just like Harry Potter character actors for the yeah. most part. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, like the last thing the last thing that Tom Felton did before this was like a YouTube Red series. Right. So not not exactly like as high profile as as a lot of the other guests. Yeah, it just seems odd that they would start off with like, like you said, Daniel Radcliffe, which makes sense for like the first one mm-hmm. and like Eddie Redmayne and stuff. And then it was like, oh, nope, it's it's Claudia Kim. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like kind of a. Like, maybe they had to get some emergency recordings going on. I think um, the ones that are absent are also very telling as well. Like, they get Daniel Radcliffe, you know, and 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 they get this before her, like, big trans meltdown and he responded to it. But, like, there's no Emma Watson. There's mm-hmm. no, no Rupert Grint, right? Like, uh, the kind of the ones, the obvious ones you would expect uh, uh, were not present which which does make me think that a lot of this behind the scenes stuff might have been a scramble mm-hmm. yeah i mean there's a there's pretty decent odds that it also just wasn't and maybe they put a break in there just to hope things calm down and then just aired the recordings that they had but yeah i don't know i think there's a lot of possibilities here i just like like two weeks just seems like a good buffer time to like like if they if they went and got like these these families like I think that going through the paperwork with a bunch of families to put them in a video is probably a lot more difficult and time consuming than it is with a celebrity who has an agent to do that stuff for them. Right. Like, yeah. And also here's the thing. Nobody wants that. Nobody, <laughs> right. ca- nobody cares about random people reading Harry Potter out loud to them. They are here <laughs> to, to watch celebrities do it. Right. Right. And so to have the, the finale and like, yeah, I get the JK Rowling thing and I get her being like there and it's like, Oh my God, it's JK Rowling. But nobody cares about like this random family that's reading it out loud. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'd be very curious. I wonder, let me take a look here. I wonder what the, uh, uh, the replies to this are like, uh okay oh my god there is there is a perfect post here Mm. from someone named pamela who just posted excellent choice of readers all the way through the series looking forward to a hopefully continuation for harry potter and the chamber of secrets and she has attached a screenshot of like her own bitmoji which (laughs) just 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 wonderful just a classic classic old lady uh, uh, emoji. So let me just see. One hundred percent, they are not going to Chamber of Secrets. I've seen that people yeah. say that a lot. Like, yeah. oh, keep doing it. It's like they aren't aren't doing it for fun. Like, what? <laughs> I'm. No one's really commenting on the families thing. There's like, there's some people saying, "Oh, wow, J.K. Rowling's here. How lovely." Uh, and like, what a what a great surprise ending. But I'm not seeing anyone saying like either one way or the other like oh damn i'm glad um 
I'm glad that I'm glad that I'm the person of the year. No, nothing like that. Uh, and also, no one's saying like, "Who the fuck are these people?" Very interesting. Yeah, I, I think that the like fandom slice that's probably in the replies on Twitter to the brand accounts are yeah. just like, I don't know. They're also in the woods as Tom Felton. I'm very curious. The subreddit just doesn't talk about this project at all. It's the other. No, it's not allowed. Yes, I guess they can talk about it because it's Harry Potter. Yeah, but like they just don't. They're just not posting about this like new new celebrity audiobook thing. So very very difficult to get like a gauge of like who cared about this thing. Yeah, us. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We <laughs> we we fell for it. We're the ones who. Ah cared. shit. Fuck. So yeah, so there's there's our news for this week. Um, like I said not not much going on this time, but uh, I think a well earned reprieve, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we uh, move on and talk about our chapter for this week? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna clear my clear my throat for this exciting uh, yeah exciting summary. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> All right, this is chapter 10. It's called Creature's Tale. This one's real short. Uh, yeah. About two things happen in it, so so we'll breeze right through this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Harry wakes up uh, at Grimmauld Place before Ron and Hermione, and is a bit lonely. Um, they they He's like, oh, they're romantic together. Isn't that sweet? But I'm sad. And he takes a walk around um, and and just has a think about his complicated memories of Dumbledore now and doesn't know what to believe. Um, he goes into Sirius's childhood bedroom um, and immediately finds on the floor a letter. And it's the first page of a letter. Um, and he realizes that it was written to Sirius from his mom. Uh, and there's a photo of him as a baby also. Um and, and we'll go into the letter. Um, he he looks for the second page because it kind of ends on a cliffhanger. It's like Dumbledore is blank or whatever. And so he tears up the whole room looking for it, uh, but can't find it. Um, also, the letter like name drops Bethilda Bagshot. So we get kind of that the plot is prodding us in the direction of Godric's Hollow still. Um, Hermione finds Harry in the room and, and he explains all of his troubles with his memory of Dumbledore and about Bethilda Bagshot and and thinks that they really should go to Godric's Hollow so he can kind of get get to the truth um, uh, about Dumbledore. Uh, she disagrees, says it's too dangerous, um, and, and they have to look for Horcruxes. They can't go on this side quest. Um, they also kind of uh, observe that Grimmauld Place has clearly been, like, searched, and that's probably where the second page of the letter went, and they're like, oh, I wonder who did that. It was probably Snape. Oh, well. Um, as they're leaving Sirius's room, they see a sign on another door, and it's Regulus A middle name Black, <gasps> and we have a big brain blast, and we're like, oh, it's R.A.B., so they go in there and they look around and they're like, oh, oh, crap, we've seen the locket. It's here. It was it was R.A.B. the whole time. And they like search his room, but it's not there. And then they remember that Creature had it. So they go down to Creature's room and they search and it's not there. Uh, and they call Creature to ask him about the locket. And he admits that he had it, but it was stolen by Menungus Fletcher. Um, and now we're just going to get Creature's story, which is told in, in two parts. And we'll kind of get into the details here. But the first part um, is how 
uh, Voldemort had Creature help him test his Horcrux, uh, like, defenses by drinking the Emerald Potion and expected Creature to die. But Creature has special teleportation magic, and so he teleported out of there. And the second part of the story is that he and Regulus, um, or Regulus had him help uh, go across and steal the Horcrux again. Creature had to, like, feed Regulus the potion, um, but Regulus was killed by the Inferi in the cave. Uh, but his last order to Creature was to to take the locket and destroy it. Uh, but no matter what Creature could do, he couldn't destroy it, and he's just, like, lived with this horrible pain and suffering of, like, not being able to to fulfill Regulus's last wish. Um Hermione gives like a really long speech that again we'll get into later and I'm not going to go over like the specifics but it was basically like oh creature is this he, he's sympathetic he just he's just trying to to help his family that he was loyal to and blah 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 um Harry kind of sees I guess the error of his ways and is like I should be nice to creature now so he kindly gives creature an order to go find Mundungus and bring him there um so that they can figure out where this locket is um as a token of thanks he gives creature the fake locket locket that was Regulus since clearly creature meant uh, like cared a lot about Regulus and it is so so overwhelming to creature that he he like can't even handle it uh, but eventually he he rallies and and goes goes off to do his mission uh, to find Mundungus and that's the end of the chapter <sighs> this book just keeps on surprising me what a what a fun uh exercise reading this book is in just like learning just how bad a book can be in, in, just... in all the different ways it can be bad and in all the surprising different ways it can be bad. If we're just out here reading and learning. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> learning things, gaining knowledge. Gaining knowledge. Yes, my, I am gaining insight, Bloodborne style, reading this book. I, this chapter, there, there is some stuff in it that I like. Um, I think that it approaches like some good character moments once creature appears um i think before that all of the stuff with harry uh in in, in sirius's bedroom and the rab discovery stuff is <laughs> some of the like lazy is the wrong word because this is a long book so it's not it's not like it's rushing through anything but it's it's the the character development in this book or like the lack thereof is just really weird like mm. like these characters i don't know i like i've, I've said many times kind of glibly that like you know when, when when the characters are acting strange in these books i just don't know who these people are anymore yeah and i think this chapter is the same but like in an even more frustrating sense because it's less that the character's um, aren't behaving the way that I expect them to, or, or like have come to learn that they behave throughout the story. It's more that they are just behaving like stock cutouts at this point. Like they really are just vehicles to like say stuff to each other, to move the plot forward. There's no, there's not much character at all happening here. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it ends up, so that when we talk about it, it it is amazing how many opportunities there are to be characterful that mm -hmm. she just doesn't take. Yeah, yeah. This this this. I mean, like like starting with Harry entering, um, 
uh, or, or wandering the halls before entering Sirius's uh, bedroom. Mm-hmm. Harry is not like like we're getting some of Harry's like internal thoughts here, but ninety percent of them are just him like asking questions to himself in the way that like you know we we joked about a lot in book four when the um the in the dog cave chapter where it just felt like Sirius <laughs> appeared to like remind the audience of the questions they should be keeping in mind. Mm-hmm. And like this, this chapter is that again, but it's Harry doing it to himself, just doing like, Hmm. Uh, why did Dumbledore not tell me this stuff? Did Dumbledore really care about me? What was Dumbledore's secret with Ariana? Like just, just listing all of the, the questions. Like he's just going through his quest log. Basically. Yeah, and we're not that far in the book. Like, it's not that far in the rear view that we. <laughs> in fact, it's maybe the only thing going on. I I don't think that there is. I think that there's a story that is complex enough that that's helpful to have a character like remind yeah. like, get you back on track. But this has never gone off track. <laughs> it is a one track story, <laughs> and it's from two chapters ago. <laughs> so I'm like. I got it. Yeah, I'm I mean, there. Yeah, like like characters uh, uh, thinking about the plot to remind the audience of what's important about it is like that's you know that's a real technique, but it's so inelegant here and so goofy. I mean, like it because it, it, it just it it literally just is a there are two pages here that are full of a paragraph of questions for uh, that Harry has for the audience, which are. Uh, why hadn't Dumbledore told him? Why hadn't he explained? Had Dumbledore actually cared about Harry? Had Harry been nothing more than a tool to be polished and honed? Like, like he's he's just asking the, the themes out loud. There, and then later on, he says does the same thing. Harry paused, pondering his mother's words. Why had Dumbledore taken James's cloak? <laughs> Harry distinctly remembered his headmaster talking, telling him years before he didn't need a cloak to become invisible. Uh, perhaps some less gifted order member had needed it and Dumbledore acted as a carrier. Like just, just stating the obvious for the audience in a very uncharacter like way here. It's very odd. I I think that there was a lot to say about the early books that they, you know, were for children, but didn't feel condescending toward children. But now all of a sudden I feel like I'm reading a book that is pretty much for adults. Yeah. I think that's fair to say, and yeah. it is, I feel like I am being treated like a child. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, we, we talked a lot about how clever this kind of clue reminder stuff was in book three, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like at, at a, uh, once upon a time, it really felt like J.K. Rowling was the master of this, of, like, peppering in the important details in otherwise uh, character-appropriate dialogue or thoughts or whatever that, like, just kind of kept stoking the like low flame of like your awareness of the mystery that's a you know like that's a thing that she has proven she can do and it is so weird to get to this book and have it appear like so clumsily it it kills me that harry has this list of of questions for himself but it doesn't change his perspective on anything right no. there's no and then what like yeah was did dumbledore care about me was he just using me as a weapon how like like okay if harry really is thinking about that what does that mean like if dumbledore was using him as as a weapon is that making him question his conflict with voldemort mm-hmm. is that making him want to walk away mm-hmm. is that like 
you know, but it doesn't, it doesn't come up. In the middle. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's in the middle of this mission that he, chapters ago, was so adamant that he had to do exactly the way Dumbledore said it. Like, he was pissing off Molly, right? Like, like he, he you know, he, he learned this info from, from uh, Bathilda and, and Rita Skeeter and, or, uh, excuse me, from uh, Mur- uh, Muriel and Rita Skeeter. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, I think that that scene is interesting. And I think that him being given pause about his, like, behavior around Dumbledore is, like, very interesting. But if it's not going to, like, manifest in any actual story beats, then what's the point? He just, yeah, he, he's just paying lip service to the idea that, like, damn... My opinion could be changed. Oh well, time to keep doing the same thing. Like it's 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 really uh like 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 it it, it, it highlights its own weirdness just with like you know the fact that it, it it is such a boring to read list of objectives that then is just not acted upon at all. Yeah, and there's like a little bit of something because Harry wants to uncover the truth. And so he wants to go to Godric's Hollow. And Hermione is like, no, we need to find the Horcruxes. But there's no alternative plan. There's no Mm -hmm. tension and there's no urgency, right? Because it's not like we have these active other plot threads happening that then Harry is choosing to pursue Mm -hmm. this Dumbledore truth thing, right? Right. Like, even the other plot thread that is happening, which is with Creature in the Locket, they just send Creature to do it, right? (laughs) They're not like, they're not like, oh, we need to go find Mundungus right now to make sure he didn't sell that locket and having Harry be torn and be like, oh, but I really need to find out the truth about Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. There's no choice. It's just, it's like an illusion of one. Yeah. Because we don't know anything else. This is the only way forward. (laughs) It's also very funny that he's like wandering through this haunted mansion, ruminating on this. And it's like (laughs) not creepy at all. Cause there, I guess, I guess the dust ghost went to bed. I guess there's yeah. no other traps. I guess Harry doesn't really care that this this mansion is like super creepy. Uh, it's just like there's nothing going on here. It, like it's not even atmospheric the way he, you know, if he was walking around and asking these questions, but there was like some sort of like tension or like like moody atmosphere, that'd be one thing. But there's not even that. It is just like nakedly. Harry just asking all these questions for no no real material gain. I mean, the characters talk about how someone has broken into the house and gone through all the stuff. And yeah. they're like, oh, guess, guess it's not dangerous, though. We've already established that it's safe, so we wouldn't want to have any tension about that. When I think that that is like an inherently creepy idea to be walking around in a house and see evidence that it has been ransacked yeah, right yeah and and like I, I don't know they 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 sure blew past those defenses like i would not be like are they just behaving like this because they're like oh well there's a creepy dust ghost and a tongue-tying curse downstairs so if anyone if anyone else shows up that'll <laughs> get them <laughs> like you know because like 
I I don't know. It is it is very it is very weird to read a story that is set in a like creepy dilapidated house but seem to be completely disinterested in making that part of the scene, right? I swear that like Order of the Phoenix happened and people complained about how angsty Harry was and, mm. and JK Rowling was just like, "Oh, so you hate characters being angsty." And so now <laughs> now it's just like they have they don't react to they don't their their external environment. Yeah. Well, Harry does sort of uh react to his external environment once he enters Sirius's bedroom and sees uh uh the the muggle horny posters that he had and he goes, "Damn." <laughs> Sirius sure was uh, brave for having. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I always think when I see someone has like a bikini calendar. I'm like, wow, how how are you so brave? (laughs) Very bold of you to have a horny, a horny swimsuit poster. (laughs) This is so close for me for like a character thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think we've talked a lot about the fact that muggle culture doesn't exist in the wizarding world yeah. other than like as a joke for Arthur Weasley. And so I kind of like the idea here of Sirius rebelling against his like racist family by having like, m- like adopted some muggle cultural stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like he has like a poster of a cool motorcycle and he's got some like, like centerfold, like playboy centerfolds up on his wall, which is very brave and cool. Um, <laughs> But why I, I hate that it's just him. And the other thing that I hate is that it's just um, Muggle World 2 again, yeah. similar to the wedding, where while I think that's an interesting idea, I, I think that for the most part, it's there because J.K. Rowling wants us and Harry to think that Sirius was really cool. And she couldn't think of anything cool that a wizard would have. So it was just like, oh, he was into cool Muggle stuff. It's just so generic is what I'm upset about, right? Like, I think it's a funny idea, but I wish that it was, I I wish one that it was more specific than like a motorcycle and girls, right? Mm -hmm. Because like, I I, know, I know, I know that like, that is a lot of people's like the depth of a lot of people's proclivities, but like that is for, for this character, it's very, it's so generic. Like that is, I, I can think of so many like 80s movies and stuff where like that is the establishing shot of every character's bedroom right mm-hmm. and it's like it's so it, 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 it it's just so non-specific i wish that i wish that like either either we got into like some granular details of like what the posters or like what the motorcycle was right like i don't know does does serious really like terminator 2 is it the Terminator 2 motorcycle? Like, like what is it other than just motorcycle, right? And, like, who are the the women that he has posters of? Is it a specific act, muggle actress? Is it, like, you know, uh, uh, is it um, anyone Harry recognizes? Is it anyone Ron or Hermione recognizes when they come in, right? Like, there's just so... There's nothing there for... Or, or, or rather, it's there, but the characters don't have anything to say about it. Um, and, and that's kind of a bummer and it just feels, and so it just feels so stock cause it's just like, okay, uh, he liked motorcycles and girls. Got it. Moving on rather than like something for the characters to observe and, and react to. 
Yeah, and they super don't, right? Like, this, no. this again is like such an opportunity that instead Harry is just like, oh, he's bold for having like boobies on the wall. <laughs> um, but I think, like, there's such a, there's so much potential here for like them to, like, Harry and Hermione, who have the background. The, the like muggle cultural background mm-hmm. to see that Sirius like has the like Jessica Alba poster right. that everyone has and, yeah. and like laugh about that. Like where did he get that? Or uh, cause Sirius doesn't have that background. Right. Yeah. 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 Like, but it, and it just it, like, it, like, and it further beyond that too, it doesn't even factor in like, you know, when Ron comes in, like you, there is such a, easy like like this i feel like lucy or like i feel like i feel like charlie brown getting duped by lucy with the football reading this chapter (laughs) so often Mm -hmm. because there are so many things that are like perfect setups for jokes or like characters to say things that just never happen and i think a big one and like this is this isn't even as interesting or characterful as the um what you were just talking about with like, you know, Harry and Hermione sharing this thing about like, you know, where, where the fuck did he get this Baywatch poster or whatever. Right. (laughs) Uh Like, like there, JK Rowling misses the even more obvious one here, which is that when Ron comes in, there's an opportunity for him and Harry to have like a dude's rock moment with the posters. Right. And for for Hermione to be like, Hmm, I'm, I don't know about this, but like, we don't even get that. Like no one comments on it. No one, no one does anything. Like, why is J.K. Rowling more invested on for us to think Sirius is a stock cool guy teen than yeah. the actual stuff we like about this character? I, right, I don't get it. Yeah, I just there's nothing like. Like, there are so many things where, like, I don't know, Ron walks in, sees the posters, and says, Wicked, and Harry, like, high-fives him, and then Hermione is, like, disapproving, and, like, because, uh, you know, she's, like, uh, she's been, like, watching Ron's behavior recently, and then that would at least be characterful for them. So if we don't get that, and then further removed from that, it's so generic and bland and just, like, it is motorcycle and girl that it also doesn't tell us anything about Sirius that we didn't already know. It's just, like... Mo- on multiple levels it is a missed opportunity for like honestly a pretty like like this is this is the kind of scene that you could sh- you could like in a writing class show someone and say like here here is what people talk about or here's what people mean when they are talking about character development right mm-hmm. like like character development is like there's a domino effect in good character development where like the way one character reacts to something says something about them says something about the thing they're reacting to says something about the thing uh says something about the character who reacts to their reaction right like it should daisy chain because like that's what good character writing is it's like oh i believe that these people and their reactions are like in keeping with what i expect of them or i'm surprised by their behavior as a character whereas here you just get nothing from anyone they just the the posters are a fact of the scene that do not matter other than they should be there because we know Sirius is cool. And that's where it stops. There's no domino effect. There's no daisy chain of like cool little reactions from all the other characters seeing it. It's just like, it, it, it is just one stop on, on the, on the train. Just like, yep. Uh, he had posters. I, I wish that I could see a version of this, 
where it's like cool for a wizard or else Sirius was like worse at being cool in a muggle way. I think those right. are like the two yeah. versions I want. Yeah, from this. yeah. I, I talked about this to you and I, I I still am kind of like obsessed with this idea of, of of kind of calling back to Arthur Weasley and this and like I, I do I like the idea of Sirius rebelling against his parents by yeah. being like I'm gonna do cool muggle stuff but I, I also want him to be really bad at it because yeah, like, exactly. like Arthur Weasley doesn't know what a rubber duck is for like that's a joke that comes up so mm-hmm. I would love if Sirius like had a like similar to like you would have a poster of like a cool car or a motorcycle but he has just like a poster of like a Ford Focus <laughs> right exactly yeah he's got he's got like a um a pamphlet for a college with all those like stock <laughs> photos of smiling people in it uh-huh. he's got like instead of Star Wars Star Wars poster, he's like really into like a big flop movie. Like he's either <laughs> Mac and Me or or something. Like he uh, he has a copy of um uh, of Ishtar on VHS or something. Just like right, really, yeah, just like really like he he should he should have like the like the failed detritus of Muggle culture that he can look at through a completely objective eye because he is not a muggle and he just sees something and goes, damn, that's cool. and doesn't really have any baggage. Right. Like, exactly. That, that would be funny. I, I like that idea a lot. And I think that that fits again. Cause, because really I, I do, when we're in here in Sirius's room, it is completely there, there is no sense of the tragedy here or of the melancholy of Sirius's character who mm-hmm. was basically like, you know, imprisoned so that he was per- like had his life stolen away from him and mm-hmm. was killed. And so to walk into his bedroom and see like his teenage affectations in the house of these like racist purebloods, I feel like there could maybe be some emotion there. Like a yeah. little bit, something, right? Yeah. Yeah, no. go into it a little bit more, but no, there's nothing. And the and the, um, the letter that Harry finds in here is, like, funny for the opposite reason. Where instead of being really generic and, like, not giving us any good character, um, like, like, things to read into, it just, like, hands us, like the source code for Harry and Lily and James, more or less. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I've said this multiple times on this episode, on, on this show, as we are, are reading this, this book, but more and more, I keep on feeling a deep empathy for the people who read this and thought it was fake when it leaked. <laughs> uh-huh. And I think, I think that the, my newest, um, uh, you know, I, I think my number one before this chapter was still Hagrid and Harry having that bizarre conversation where they were like, hello, Hagrid, remember when, uh, 17 or when 11 years ago, you, uh, picked me up from the Dursleys and, uh, gave Dudley a tail. Yes. Uh-huh, I yes, did. Harry. I do remember that. I do remember that. I think that was my number one until now, but I think now my new number one is, uh, toddler Harry was given a toy broomstick by Sirius and was just good at flying from the get-go. Like, yeah. just drivel. Just complete nonsense, I think. It's so saccharine and just... Uh... Uncreative and also, like, deeply depressing to me, I think. Like, the idea that 
characters can just be, or like people can just be boiled down to the one thing they're good at. And like the origin story for the one thing they're good at is, well, they got it when they were young and were good at it. And I guess it just never, it's just innate. Uh, it's so depressing to think about characters and, and like human development that way, I think. Yeah. I, I, I kind of enjoyed the, the like Lily letter only as a payoff that it is nice to finally read something in her voice yeah. after all of this buildup for mm-hmm. her. Like she's just kind of an absent figure. Um, and so it feels like that's, purposeful you know yeah she was killed um but I, I don't know i just end up feeling like hollow after reading this because it almost just needs her to be like this idyllic thing for it to be tragic yeah i don't know it's just kind of boring and it's it's mostly just like peppered with like plot stuff so it's you know moving along sort of it's peppered with it with plot stuff in such a hilarious way like it, the 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 part the part where it's like oh wormtail is here he looked kind of sad don't know why that is anyway moving on like it it's it's so full of that sort of ridiculous telegraphing that it honestly does not make sense if you read it as just a letter like mm-hmm. that, that, that is the part that I find so funny about it is that like, I, I, if, if it did not have the context of being a letter for Harry to find and find, discover stuff about his family. Like if I received this letter from a friend, I would be worried that they were, they were going a little loopy. Like just yeah. the, the way that it, it, like, like the way that it just like drops like plot threads in front of Harry here is very, uh, like, it, 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 I don't know. It's like audio log quality, right? Like, it's just like, hope nothing bad happens. Oh, well, time to turn it off. Like, just really, really poor, I think. And, like, kind of a bummer that this is, like, the one scene of Lily that we get uh, uh, is just her being, like, normal mom in a letter. Uh, and like, I, I get that that's supposed to be like quaint and bittersweet, but to me, it's just like, I don't feel like she's any more of a character now than I did before I read it really. Yeah. I, I think that because the plot is such a mess and is pretty directionless overall, Mm -hmm. that it is a shame that the letter had to be used for, to serve the facts of the plot instead yeah. of actually just being about this character moment. Yeah. I think it would earnestly be a lot more powerful if it was just like a nonsense small talk letter, mm-hmm. like just, just to get a glimpse of what his parents like talked about with their friends. Like that would be much, I think that would be way more powerful than just like a laundry list of here's my character traits as a child. And then uh, here is, here's the like, big obvious flashing red light of Wormtail there to betray them, right? Like, it's just really... uh, It's it's too... It's too on the nose. It's too too much. Yeah, and I don't know, like, I... I, There's part of this where it's like, Lily, I think, was like 20 or something (laughs) at at, at time of writing this letter, and she's, like, writing it like she's a a freaking, like, Instagram trad wife. It's, it's hard so it's hard not lame. to loop that back into JK Rowling's current politics. 
Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's very. There's, I mean, like this, this, this isn't just the Lily thing. This is just like the the like sad trajectory of all the women in this series, right? Of just like it is so deeply depressing to read what where all these girls end up right and like like what what is presented by the author as like the ideal existence for these characters it's really grim to me yeah i feel like i'm reading uh, it's now crystallizing for me where i i i read this letter and it's like a voiceover of like a letter that a wife writes on like mad men But without without any of the subtext of Mad Men. No, it's like actually this is good. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is this is uh, this is Birdie writing a letter to to Pete, but like none of none of the like underlying pain is visible. It's just like, well, here I am. I'm the wife. I'm wife. It's kind of pathetic. Uh, I mean, it's all it's all build up between this like romanticizing, like wizarding world becoming this like romantic past vision with radios and record players and trad wife Lily. Mm -hmm. But it's like it's like the nineties. I don't know. Yeah, I think there there is one. Like yeah, like God, God, that is it. That that's the other part. The, The motorcycles and um. Like going going back to Sirius's bedroom and posters and stuff, right? Like even if the idea was for Sirius to be cool, like this book was written as a period piece, and if if uh, if it was supposed to be that um, uh, 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 Lily and James were would have been murdered in 1981, right? I believe that would be the timeline, or 1980. Uh, you could, you could bring, you could bring in some interesting, fun stuff for Sirius to be into or for Lily and James to be doing like, like God being, being two 20 somethings in London in, in 1981, like either you could write, there are so many directions you could take that to make those characters interesting that are just absent utterly. Um, get, let Sirius have a um, for your eyes only poster in his room. <laughs> let, like, like, did they all go see James Bond when it came out? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, that stuff is so cute. Yeah, yeah. We're like, I don't know, like 1980. Oh, is is Lily into Talking Heads? Is James into like what 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 do they what do they watch him? What are they listening to? Or like, what Muggle culture are they indulging in? what what wizarding what was wizarding culture like in the 80s like there's so many things that you could drop really cute little clues and references and like implications to that are just completely glossed over right how would how would harry and hermione feel going into sirius's room and seeing that he has a rocky poster up mm, mm-hmm. you know <laughs> like that's yeah. that's so cool and and it sucks that this world is it really is like like I get it like Wizarding World is is more antiquated or whatever than the Muggle world, but it's this conflict where where they are like racist against Muggles or whatever, mm-hmm. but none of the Muggle culture is is affecting them because actually we're supposed to think that that the the pure blood like 
weird vision of the twenties or whatever is like cool and good. Uh-huh. It's also real, like, like you mentioning again, that just like, Oh, Lily would have been like 20 here. Right. Like Harry is 17 here. There is a, like a, a real weird moment he could have here realizing that like Sirius and his parents and stuff were basically like, he's there. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, and like realizing that his parents were humans and that like, like, you know, people with who would obviously have, like, the same internal life that he has. Like, I don't know, like, show us Lily with, like, big 80s punk hair or something. Like, <laughs> like, like do anything to, to make Harry realize. Because the, the thing that Harry takes away here, which is a little sad, but is ultimately, I think, a little hollow for me, is like, oh, my mom was just perfect mom. Yeah. And, like, that's sweet, I suppose. But, like, I think it would be a lot more impactful, honestly, for him to realize that like oh his parents were just like him or anybody else and they were like real people with like hobbies and opinions and like thoughts and feelings right like have lily be like smoking muggle cigarettes in the picture or something it's (laughs) 1981 yeah yeah Yeah, there 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 is one saving grace to this letter i think and i it could be entirely accidental Mm. but i think there is one thing in here that i think could be read as like characterful and interesting and like like part of maybe why Sirius held on to this letter. Um and it's that it's very interesting that Lily starts the letter saying like oh yeah you know, like sorry we didn't invite you to Harry's birthday but it was a small thing and obviously things are crazy right now so we can't have anyone over and then she like lists like oh Mathilda the backshot came over oh wormtail mm. came over and like there's there's like a sad like mm-hmm. is Sirius going through some fomo was there some like you know uh, unspoken conflict between them like like was was serious being kept away from harry because they were worried he was a bad influence like what what's going on there or am i you just know, crazy I, I didn't and- even think of that but i like i mean it's been a long time since we read prisoner of azkaban but i forgot that the whole thing is that they switched the secret keeper last moment because they thought sirius was joined voldemort yeah so this would have been at that time yeah or, or like they just thought that he was like untrustworthy, right? And like I'm just, uh-huh. I, 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 I th- th- that is the one part in this letter where I'm like, oh, that's actually maybe kind of interesting. Like, is, is this, how does Sirius feel about this letter, right? Like, mm-hmm. and and that I think is something I can at least hold on to and and like not have this be a complete disaster, right? <laughs> um, but it's that that that's a very small detail I think that works for me in this thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and then this this thing continues, and then Hermione comes up, and like this this is where the like oh my mom was perfect mom thing really just gets depressing to me. Mm-hmm. Is Hermione comes in, says absolutely nothing about anything that's in this room, and just mothers Harry in this scene. Yeah. Uh, and and not only that, but like to a specific degree that has honestly haunted me since I read it, which is so Harry's like, oh, we've got to go to Godric's Hollow. It's mentioned in the letter. Uh, and and Hermione says, like, oh boy, things are so tense. Why don't we go and find some breakfast? And like that is such a Molly thing. Mm-hmm. And it's just like 
all women in Harry Potter are the same character at a certain point. Like, all roads lead to being Molly Weasley is what it feels like. It's so miserable. Yeah. I, I miss them being, like, partners in crime, right? Yeah. Trying to solve a mystery together. Right. And, like, hiding out in a bathroom making a forbidden potion. Yeah. The stakes are higher, and yet Hermione is now pigeonholed into being their mom and also directly, again, like Half-Blood Prince style, steering him away from the plot. It is <laughs> yeah. so weird. It is both. It is It is both weird. It's weird that she is both like idealized, completely emotionally mature power mom but also is is like also kind of being like a weird harpy who just wants Harry to do what she wants and like not not live his dream of solving the mystery himself, right? Like it it man it manages to be two very harmful uh old shitty character stereotypes in one. It's kind of impressive. Yeah, I mean I I I guess like her just transformation is complete. It's so sad. I, I've been really, like, kicking this around in my head with J.K. Rowling's, you know, recent stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't really want to make it about that, but I'm just like, damn, lady. It's impossible you to not. sort your shit out. <laughs> it's impossible not to think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. There's, like... I don't really know how to phrase it. It's just like there there's a lot of like misogyny Im- embodied in the way these characters are, but in a very interesting way where it is both like the the like sort of paternalistic like innate goodness of woman thing and like mm-hmm. the, the 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 innate nurturing nature of of motherhood and whatnot. And but also women are shrews like at the same time like yeah it's, it's a, a a misogyny that is very wrapped up in in like I mean just like sacred feminine <laughs> like water of the womb bullshit and like uh-huh. y- you know um I, I I don't know like it's it's hard I don't, I don't want to make this like too much of a bummer but I'm just like she needs to work out her issues. <laughs> It's like, you know, in a lot in a lot of writing, especially fantasy writing and stuff like like uh, uh, the Madonna whore dichotomy is like a really common thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to see that happen in one character, well, not only in one character, but in every character, right? To be both at the same time, is, yeah, it, that is a impressive maneuver, I will say. Yeah, it's a it's a good time to uh, remember that turfs hate women. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, that is the that is really the long and short of it right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is deeply depressing. And, um, you know, it's like she should just stop being a fascist about it. <laughs> that's right. Thank you, Miriam. Mar- Mar- <laughs> she said a good thing. So I want to endeavor to say her name right. Margolias. Mar- mm-hmm. Margolies. I, it's not Margoyles. I, I will say that. Um, and then, and then they just happen to stumble upon the mystery solution anyway, as soon as they step out the door. Isn't that lucky? Isn't that something? 
Um, Ain't that a kick? Also, somewhere in between here, I don't know in what sequence it is, but this is the maybe funniest version of a character saying their character trait to us. Oh, yeah. Um, The part where Ron is, like, joining up with Harry and Hermione after Hermione and Harry have, like, her, like, she has her mothering moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Ron shows up and they're like, we're up here or whatever. And he's like, oh, I hope it's not giant spiders. I hate those. (laughs) Yeah. We all remember Ron's character hates giant spiders. (laughs) Although at least he gets to, at least he gets to cling to one of his character traits as opposed to Hermione, who just has them all excised by this point. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I love, I love to just say uh, traits about myself out loud to people. So they remember who I am. (laughs) What would that be like for you? Like, such a good question. Like, I I don't know. I, I just like, uh, walk up to someone and say like hello I, I I guess it would be like if I just walked around saying like hello I do a podcast hello that I'm, is a that's a great way to meet people I would think <laughs> hi everybody I do a podcast that's what I do I like video people games. love that <laughs> oh god um so they find RAB uh because Harry says RAB I think I found him um, and then it, they have a full page conversation outlining that, oh, Regulus Arcturus Black. I get it now. Mm. Uh, it's all very, um, very, bra- it's very genius. It's, it's, it's very elegant. It's very good writing. Obviously, I stand. Um, but this faffing around they do in his fucking bedroom is so funny. And like, it kills me. So, first of all, I, I appreciate the attempt to contrast his bedroom with Sirius's bedroom. Um, but his is like equally boring. And that like <laughs> Sirius's bedroom is like, oh, he's got muggle swimsuit illustrated, uh, sports illustrated swimsuit posters. And then RAB's bedroom is like, oh, he's got Slytherin posters. And it's like both of these guys just sound so fucking boring. Like, can you please inject <laughs> any character into into these people. Like, I don't know. Like, have put have him put like. Does he have like Death Eater propaganda that he tore down because he doesn't like it anymore? Does he have like? There's so many things you could do with this, similar to Sirius, where I'm just like, again, no, no. It just feels like she didn't have any fun writing this, honestly. Yeah, I mean, like, Sirius, we can at least, like, infer that he has, like, muggle pop culture stuff. Yeah. Does Regulus have, like, wizard pop culture stuff? Mm-hmm. I guess, I I guess just... to him, wizard pop culture is just Slytherin. I love Slytherin. <laughs> he just has... it is, it's amazing that the canon pop culture is the same as the pop culture that exists in our world where <laughs> Harry Potter exists. Because that, <laughs> like, yeah... People that like Harry Potter put up a Slytherin poster also in the universe. They also have Slytherin posters. Yeah. Like, are there, like, a wizard band does he put up? Is he a huge dork and puts up, like, his, like, paper that he got a good grade on, like, mm-hmm. up on the wall? Like, what? what's his deal? Yeah. Who cares? Doesn't matter. He is a seeker, though, because Harry also a seeker. Hmm. Um... Uh, but the part that, that just like killed me about this this scene is they like 
look around. Oh, actually, well, let's back up because the door was locked. I think because and I can't talk about this without talking about your observation, mm. which is that uh, Hermione uses a little more to get in, get into the into the bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, w- I wish I could go back in time and 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 we could have like made a game out of this and I would call this like like get a jar and like put a quarter in the jar and it would be mm-hmm. like the cinema sins jar mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and it's like if you're <laughs> sphered into like cinema sins territory it's like you got to put a quarter in, in the jar yeah um so this I think this is like my major one but this like broke broke me when I read this um I don't know why mechanical locks exist in the wizarding world yeah if well, e- everyone learns the like unlocking spell in like second grade <laughs> so they don't really do anything weird. like if anything they're they are all child locks right because mm-hmm. children can't use magic and like babies can't use magic uh-huh I, but I, I, th- I think culturally they wouldn't exist anymore. Right. And I think that that's what makes it like less of a cinema sinsy criticism mm. because it's not, it's, it's a lot of the times that sort of criticism is like missing imagination, right? Like the, the infamous one I always think about is the Blade Runner one where, where it's like, how come it's the future, but it looks like it's all, gar- it's all dirty and garbage and poor at the bottom of the city. <laughs> And like that, yeah. Um, and like that—that's the one I always think of because that's just like missing the imagination of the film. Whereas that, whereas asking the question, "How come they have? How come they still have locks when everyone learns the unlocking spell?" To me, that just betrays J.K. Rowling's lack of imagination, mm, right? Of mm-hmm. like, because because there are a lot of fun world-building ways you could play with that idea. Like, oh, so if. Physical locks still exist, but everyone has Alohomora. Is there like, I don't know, like are there like uh, wizard wheezes level like like businesses run by like wizard libertarian guys who are in the middle of like a lock arms race? Are there, <laughs> uh, is there like a market for Alohomora proof alarms? Is it really hard to do spells that? Um, make Alohomora useless. Like, there, there are so many ways you could take that. Again, just like the poster stuff in Sirius's bedroom. Like, every little detail is an opportunity to think about your world and what it means to the characters. And this book foregoes literally every opportunity to do that. Yeah, it's... I we're kind of going back to like our discussion at the very beginning of this book, which is just stuff being stripped of, of meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think Alohomora is a good example because when it first came up, it was in a children's story and it made a lot of sense because it characterized Hermione as resourceful and knowing all of the spells. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, there's a locked door. They want to find the Sorcerer's Stone. How do we get in? Harry and Ron don't know. And mm-hmm. Hermione's like, oh, you just use the unlocking spell. And it's like, oh, this girl is like smart and resourceful and, and, and like, also, reads and learns about other spells they don't learn in class. But also is um, going against her early characterization and and deciding that uh, that her unlocking this door is worth breaking a rule to do. Yeah, yeah. So there's like so a story there, yeah. That's great. And and I will always take a good story and good character stuff over like 
granular like oh well if there's an unlocking spell why is there why do they have locks right yeah but here we are in book seven and the sequence of events that happen here are so stupid like they go the like, rib doors locked hermione unlocks the door they go in at like can we summon the locket nope oh it's because it ha- must have anti-summoning yeah. charms and on that it. Is the, like that is the part that drove me crazy that i wanted to talk about is it is so funny for them to like bulldoze through the Alohomora thing and not think about any of the implications of that just so they can lampshade uh um Accio. Like 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 this whole time uh and like like the, specifically because this book also at the beginning um when they were in the burrow and Hermione was talking about how at the end of Half-Blood Prince she actually like summoned all the horcrux books so it like opened that can of worms specifically and then this scene has to exist to then close to like close that uh opening once again um just in case everyone's going why don't they just say akia horcrux every time like like it is so funny that like spells are just um plot devices they they are not they are not there to serve the characters anymore the way that they, because the Alohomora in book one thing is a perfect example, right? Like, 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 like you said, it's just, it, 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 it gives you everything you need and it's ultimately more important than having the world make like literal logical total sense. But now here we are and we are in the middle of a like mystery story where like things making logical sense and like uh, 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 the, process of doing magic is like important to the story now and the author is like opening and closing the door on whether or not summoning spells work purely at the convenience of whether or not it would ruin the way that she's written this like mystery object hunt Mm -hmm. it's a fucking disaster it's just trash it i it is it is baffling. It really is. Like every spell is just a like a video game tool. And it's like, oh, does this tool work? Oh no, it has the anti-tool tool on it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. It is that and that is like the only reason this scene exists is to like lampshade the previous thing that was already a lampshade of like how did Hermione get these books? Uh she used the summoning spell. Can we use the summoning spell again? Uh nope, can't use it anymore. They've all got anti summoning spell charms on them. Like it is like all this takes place in the span of like four chapters. It's a mess. It's absurd. Yeah. She just doesn't care about the world that she's created. Like she's completely uninterested in writing a story that utilizes the tools that she invented in this series. Like, right. it is, it is, everything is just a means to an end. There's no reason for any of this to be here. And, and it really just ends up in, like, utter tedium. Yeah. Because that really is, it's like, unlock, unlock the door. Can we summon? No. We'll have to look. Oh, it's not here. Let's go look downstairs where creature is. Can we summon yeah. it here? No, it's just yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about creature. Okay, creature, creature time. Uh, I have complex feelings about this. I'm, yes. I'm concerned that I, because I'm like, I I'm I think it's going to be hard to talk about how honestly complex this scene is. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to start? 
I guess the facts of the scene, mm-hmm. which I don't even know. <sighs> Creature's tragic backstory mm-hmm. is, is what this is, right? Mm-hmm. Very sad. <laughs> um, I think that this... This conversation is the most compelling that this book has been so far for me. Okay. Um, as in, most of the time I've been bored, and I was not bored <laughs> yeah. when, uh-huh. when I read this. Uh-huh. But the logistics of the story that he's telling is, <laughs> is frankly nonsense so so we get this background of for creature and 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 we get this impression that you know he has served the black family for his entire life and he is endlessly loyal to them and has adopted a lot of their ideas Mm -hmm. Uh, but he was most loyal to regulus who was very nice to him he is kind of his like his assistant um, and Regulus joined up with Voldemort, um, and Voldemort went to Regulus and said, hey, I need to use your house elf. <laughs> and so Regulus went to Creature and said, hey, Voldemort needs you. And Creature was really honored by that, having adopted a lot of the ideas um, of Regulus and and uh, the other family members that were very, you know, p- pure blood on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Voldemort used Creature to test the locket defenses by making him drink the potion, and it was horrible, and Voldemort was going to leave Creature to die to the Inferi, but just like always, Voldemort uh, underestimated house elves, and Creature used his special house elf magic to apparate away. Mm-hmm. At some point, Regulus turned on Voldemort, realized he was evil, maybe because he tortured Creature, I don't know if that's implied here. Mm-hmm. And then took Creature to the potion, drank the potion, instead of having Creature do it, and told Creature to destroy the locket. And Creature has been somewhat driven to madness by being unable to destroy the locket. Is that is that what happened? Is that the logistics yeah, here? Yeah, I think, I think that's more or less the, the, like the what of what happened. The way that it's written is pretty good. Like the tragedy of creature and how like pitiful he is and mm-hmm. and really sad and doesn't like again cuz he didn't choose to turn on Voldemort. He is just being loyal to Regulus and he's crying through this whole story. It's kind of his I mean, I don't even, I don't even call, wouldn't even call it like a redemption, although I think it's trying to be. Mm-hmm. I think the logistics of this is crazy. It is like it, I think that it is a very good character moment for creature specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I wish it had gone further, and I think as we as we'll get into later in this episode. Uh, I think that the conclusion that the characters draw about Creature because of this are insane. Mm -hmm. Um, But the thing that makes this really funny to me is that, again, like, like the way Creature describes it, the way Creature talks about it, like, very sad, feel bad for him. It is yet another example of Voldemort being, like, the least compelling and least competent villain in a series maybe ever. Uh, 
this plan, knowing that the boat mystery that we ripped on in book six, uh, is, is like critical to the plot of Voldemort's (laughs) downfall is so fucking funny to me. Like Voldemort was in that boat with a house elf and didn't think, oh, oops, I should, I should fix the boat spell. <laughs> like, like, it would be one thing if he, you know, if it was like a, like a wordplay technicality thing where he, like, enchanted this boat and said, the, uh, only one man can stand in this, or this boat can only carry one man, but, like, didn't specify, like, oh, but it can it also not carry elves or children or women, right? Like, that would be interesting. Like... If if it was just a matter of him, you know, not not being thorough, but like he is in the damn boat with creature. There are two people in this boat, and he doesn't think, hmm, I should I should tighten this defense a little bit, perhaps. I can't, I can't deal with his plan being ruined by the boat that only holds one adult. I can't. <laughs> It is, and and how am I supposed to hold these two thoughts in my head? One, that Voldemort, his ultimate like weakness, his Achilles heel, is that he underestimated and didn't even consider a house elf or a child or or whatever the people he thought beneath him. Except in the case where he had to create his plan, <laughs> that was literally the first thing he but thought of. Like, yeah, this is him. Te- this is his dry run. Like, this is him testing the plan. And, like, he didn't, like, like this was his opportunity to be like, okay, great job, everybody. I think, I think we're nearly ready for prime time. I do need to f- fix the boat spell a little bit. Like, he didn't even <laughs> do that. Like, he just, he just, like, sat there, observed that his plan was flawed, and then, I guess, left and didn't do anything about it. It was just like, okay, good, all done. <laughs> doesn't need to do anything about this boat i i feel like i feel like i'm i'm watching like a scene from family guy like i can so clearly see it in my head (laughs) of like family guy voldemort and family guy house elf driving across uh like the lake together and and voldemort being like (laughs) like like oh this will certainly not have any problems. This boat only holds one hum- one person, and then it like cutting to the house elf. Ah, this is worse than that time that Voldemort asked me to come and <laughs> test his torture potion. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Why oh. put a boat there? He can fly. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Voldemort can fly. Voldemort can fly. He's the only person that can fly. Why is there a boat? Even if your most Fuck. generous interpretation is that he needed the boat to get over there, he can fly. He can fly <laughs> over there. <laughs> we get it. You can't teleport in the cave. Yeah. So you can't you teleport can't... over there. Oh, maybe it's you really can't ha- maybe fly handy either. to be able to fly. Oh my god. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that one. <laughs> I Yeah, it is just like again, like like I it is buoyed I think by the fact that like creature's role in this story is quite sad. But mm-hmm. but it is it is impossible to se- to like separate it for me because it's like 
okay, but this is also a big clue about like the f- the final showdown and like the final hubris that like brought Voldemort down is that he like he literally took creature on the, on the testing run and then didn't do anything with the information he got from his test run. Like it's it's just kind of nonsense. I don't know. Well, yeah, because like, it, it like, reads more like he was testing if the potion worked, and that doesn't. It just seems like it doesn't matter. Yeah, I also really like there. There's the um, the bit where uh, creature said the Dark Lord sailed away, leaving creature on the island. <laughs> and there's this bit that I love. It's in Harry's imagination. Harry could see it happening. He watched Voldemort's white snake-like face vanishing into the darkness. Those red eyes fixed pitilessly on the thrashing elf whose death would occur within minutes whenever he succumbed to the desperate thirst that the burning potion caused its victim. But here, Harry's imagination could go no further. And I'm like, is Harry imagining Voldemort like doing a slow backwards walk into the boat out of the cave? Like... He's he's uh he's flying away, but he's also deposing facing <laughs> facing creature. Yeah, it's just I like you say it's complex because I do I do think that like I, I I do think that this makes creature a much more interesting character, and I like I like creature and and like to to a certain extent I like Regulus's like arc here. Um. But it is, uh, it, it it's just there's too much baggage, and maybe it's just because none of the none of the rest of the book seems that interested in the plot, and like maybe it being so focused on like plot reveal stuff here is just like an, an unfortunate circumstance. But like it just, I, I can't, I can't look at this thing and just take away the creature stuff. I don't think. Yeah, I think it's kind of a, I I think that there are two problems here. One is that it's hard not to get bogged down in just the the logistics of what's happening, which is like mm-hmm. weirdly complicated, and yeah. also um, suffers from some uh, Voldemort just not being very smart or not seeming very like scary. Like his plans don't really make a whole lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I just think that like the conclusion here is really weak, and I I. Th- I don't understand because it doesn't really go into what happened with Regulus, but I, for something that is supposed to be sort of a redemption for creature, he doesn't really act under his own will ever. Yeah. And I think that's the fatal flaw of the end of this too. Um, when we get to like Harry's take on this whole thing, mm-hmm. um, the, uh, the, the part with Regulus that I find kind of funny is that like, I, I think that I think that the intended implication was like, oh, Regulus cares about creature. Creature cares about Regulus, and this is what like inspires him to like revolt against Voldemort. Mm-hmm. I do there there is a bit in this that I find sort of funny, which is that like having creature watch him drink the potion and the, to get, <laughs> so he can give him the locket. There's <laughs> there's a little bit of that that we're like. Creature kind of feels like a prop for for Regulus's guilt here, <laughs> but in a way that's like not quite um, intentional on on JK's part, just because the way that the Harry stuff goes later. But like this is this is Regulus like 
like changing his profile picture, <laughs> like right? Like it's like, oh, I'm I'm taking my, I'm taking hashtag Death Eater out of my bio creature. Watch me. Like it's really, <laughs> it's it's very um, it, it's very it's valorizing this this idea. I think of him of him doing this in front of creature that I find a little funny. Definitely, I think that there's a problem doing these scenes back to back. Yes, Mostly that it's very funny and yeah. and um, it's kind of hard to. I mean, I, I appreciate the parallel, right? Of of Voldemort who thinks down on creature and makes him eat the horrible potion, and then yeah. Regulus like kind of falling on the sword for creature. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm putting another quarter in my CinemaSins uh, bucket because I don't know how well you can cover cover over the plot hole of Creature being able to teleport out of the cave because he has special house elf magic, but then not teleporting Regulus out of the cave. Yeah. Not sure what's going on there. I, and also, like, I... Um, I think that the one of the main reasons this suffers, too is uh, this is um yet another feather in my like this should have been a multiple pov character novel series cap mm-hmm. because i think doing we 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 now have three cave potion drinking scenes oh we uh, sure do don't we we sure do um and one of them is in book 6 and then two of them are back to back in book 7 mm-hmm. and i think that like there is just an inescapable sense of like unintentional comedy here (laughs) because it is very funny. They just have to keep going and drinking the horrible juice. Creature telling this sad story about how, Oh, Voldemort dragged me out of bed and said, I needed to help him do some evil guy stuff. (laughs) Oh, it, it, it was so bad. It hurt so much. It was, it was the worst pain I'd ever experienced in my life. Drinking this bone hurting juice. And then I man, I got away with my, my house elf magic, and then Regulus woke me up in the middle of the <laughs> night and was like, hey, can you take me to the bone hurting juice? <laughs> I'm gonna go drink it. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go eat the doo-doo potion. And like it's Yeah, we're not we're not um that many chapters away from Dumbledore also waking <laughs> up here in the middle of the night like, uh, I need you to come help me with this juice. <laughs> Yeah, like, I feel like if these scenes had been spaced out a little bit, perhaps it would have worked well, and, like, like the parallel would have been, like, the main takeaway, but, like, to me, it is just, I'm so much more focused on, on, like, Creature's sob story featuring someone drinking the potion two times back to back, like... It, it it feels like the SNL sketch where they're all shooting each other into like a OC <laughs> music's playing like it, like it's just too much. It's laying it on way too thick here. Yeah, and honestly, like conceptually, the the bone hurting juice that is horrible pain that makes you reveal your like worst vulnerabilities to who's there with you. It's just pretty. It's pretty extra to do even once. Yeah, you can, that's not something that you could easily do multiple times, <laughs> I don't think. And also, the other part of that that is really frustrating, like once again, we've got to we've got to talk about how nothing has any meaning anymore in this book is that for as 
dumb and contrived as the as the bone hurting drinking scene is in book six, we at least get something out of it with Dumbledore like having his come to Jesus moment or whatever. But like we don't get that from Regulus or, or Creature. They just drink and it hurts. Ow, oof, I'm dying. I'm thirsty. That's it. No, no inner, no glimpse into their inner life here. Just, just oof, ouch, ow, e, ooh, painful, ju- juice, juice, bad. Like that's it. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just now a physical obstacle. Torture juice. Yeah. Who's yeah, up? Who's it, up it, next? Drink the torture uh, juice. <laughs> Do you think there's like Wizarding World jackass? Where they like get 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 celebrities on there to like drink the juice and see how long they can last. Uh, well, it really. I mean, I guess I don't know that they necessarily say an embarrassing thing, or if that was just like a Dumbledore special. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh, if, for for one million galleons, will you eat this and spew all of your secrets? How long will you? How long will you uh, uh, last? It's a competition to see who can last the longest and say the say the least stuff. <laughs> Okay, speaking of speaking of saying embarrassing stuff, mm-hmm. we've we've got to talk about the then third leg of creatures story here, which is which is Harry and Hermione and Ron's like reaction to it. Time to time to make my reaction video about creatures bone hurting juice story. Harry, Hermione, That's right. and Ron react. Oh, creature wailed Hermione is a line I have highlighted because it made me laugh. <laughs> Time to oh. mother creature a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work. I, I'm trying to decide, like, if I want to read Hermione's speech, just because... No, I think it's worth doing, because it's it's very illuminating. I don't understand you, creature, he said finally. Voldemort tried to kill you. Regulus died to bring Voldemort down. But you were still happy to betray Sirius to Voldemort? You were happy to go to Narcissa and Bellatrix and pass information to Voldemort through them? Harry, creature doesn't think like that, said Hermione, wiping her eyes on the back of her hand. She's crying again, by the way. I think she's cried in every chapter so far. Mm-hmm. He's a slave. House elves are used, to, are used to bad, even brutal treatment. What Voldemort did to creature wasn't that far out of the common way. What do wizard wars mean to an elf-like creature? He's loyal to people who are kind to him, and Mrs. Black must have been. And Regulus certainly was. So he served them willingly and parroted their beliefs. I know what you're going to say, she went on as Harry began to protest. That Regulus changed his mind, but he doesn't seem to have explained that to Creature, does he? And I think I know why. Creature and Regulus's family were all safer if they kept to the old pureblood line. Regulus was trying to protect them all. Uh, Harry jumps in and interjects, Sirius. Hermione cuts him off. Sirius was horrible to Creature, Harry, and it's no good looking like that. You know it's true. Creature had been alone for a long time when Sirius came to live here, and he was probably starving for a bit of affection. I'm sure Miss Sissy and Miss Bella were perfectly lovely to Creature when he turned up, so he did them a favor and told them everything they wanted to know. I've said all along that wizards would pay for how they treat house elves. Well, Voldemort did, and so did Sirius. Harry had no retort. Damn, Hermione's clairvoyant. Wild, huh? Yeah, crazy how she just like has a completely cor- like correct and and thorough grasp of the entirety of Wizarding World politics here. This is a real Hermione just telling us what we should think about what just happened. I hate yeah. that. It's please, it's really boring. Please let me draw my own conclusions. 
Yeah, especially when the thing that we are being told here, like, or at least after this this scene is is like really really funny in the face of what Hermione says here. Like Hermione spends two pages here talking about the injustice of elf slavery. Mm-hmm. Got it. Finally, finally, she said. I guess you know, po- poorly written, comes out of nowhere. But at least, it, at least in this in this series that has had such a clumsy handling of the whole house elf thing at least at least we get this however for them after this to conclude that the like the kind thing to do with creature is to order him again but nicely is just fully i am becoming blackpilled by this series like i'm <laughs> this is so grim to me that like this is where that speech leads. I, I think it's really hard um, to like square this as presumably sort of being a fix it, right? Like this is the yeah. last chance. Like for whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, I guess I'll start earlier than that. When we talked about the health of stuff originally, we talked about how it's kind of a doomed thought experiment. Right mm-hmm. in in the yeah. idea that like yeah you, I guess you can you can write um, a story and make a race of creatures where it, it is where it is like in the the universe of the story the correct thing to do to have them be slaves right mm-hmm. but the question is why like why, <laughs> why yeah why would why? you do that I sort of resent the question etc like yeah uh, yeah and then and then it like builds on that and the early creature stuff was like would it be wrong to have a nazi as a slave like, <laughs> and again my question is why yeah like what what like what prompted you to ask this question in the first place what are you talking about and and so to get to the end i i presumably here with hermione saying exactly what we should think Mm-hmm. And it's basically like benevolent slave owner stuff that it's like slavery's bad, not because it's slavery, not right. because it is vi- like the institution is violence and is evil. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's like it's because they're mean to them. It's well, not be- only that, but we'll pay for it. Yeah, like, we, like we, we will. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we will suffer consequences because of our brutality. Yeah, not not this brutality is bad because it's brutality. It's like, oh, but the wizarding world will rue the day at some point. It's like, well, yeah, I guess. But like, why is that your like main concern? (laughs) Right. And and, and we go like after Hermione turns to the camera and tells us what we should think about this, which is that. People like slave owners should be nicer to their slaves. It also um, is like running parallel to creatures kind of turn, I -hmm. guess. And he is described quite literally by the text as being childlike. Yeah. It's so fucked up, you know? It is so yeah. it is so messed up to take this like, oh, is it would it be okay to have a slave if they were a Nazi? And it's like, oh, um, 
Well, he's also a child that can't that can't care for himself and can't like make the right decisions for himself. Yeah. And I'm like, which oh. is just fucking slave owner rhetoric is on its own. Like that was that that was uh, It's like, yes, we like, should still have slaves, but be nicer about it. Yeah, I am like the, the one of the like pillars of like anti-abolition rhetoric around the civil war was like you can't just free the slaves they won't know what to do with themselves they can't like they can't they can't uh 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 you know live on their own it's like psycho for this book to to like trade in that as like a legitimate argument for like oh this is this is how the house elves need to be treated thing it's crazy yeah, it's so irresponsible. I, I think that like the this is this is going to be the one where it's just like I can't. I I don't I don't care if you like Harry Potter, you know. I really don't. <laughs> uh, I I know that the the kind of news lately has been um, having a lot of people have their have their Harry Potter faith tested. Um, but I really and, and like it's a little bit of a like a a thing that has gone around about. Um, about like the goblins and stuff, which I know we're gonna get some like messed up stuff in this book. Oh, we're gonna get some about real that. messed up shit with goblins soon too. <laughs> um, but I, I really like, I, I, I can't fuck with like the, the, like Harry Potter alliance and stuff. Like, I just want an acknowledgement yeah. that these books, even coming up on this conclusion, the most you know recent written book that was written in what 2007 or came out in yeah. 2007 and it's like it's like some insanely bad like racist propaganda in here <laughs> i mean like clearly like entirely on accident but like not that's not like important really like it's just it it is incredible that this just like parrots so many centuries old pro-slavery arguments and i think what what i think the th the part that like drives me the most insane about this is that when harry tries to make good on his relationship with creature here after hearing this story and hearing hermione's speech here um he says i'm finding the quote Creature, I am going to ask you something, said Harry. He glanced at Hermione for assistance. He wanted to give the order kindly, but at the same time, he could not pretend that it was not an order. So, like, Harry even is in this scene aware that, like, this is fucked up, right? Mm hmm But doesn't act on it. And, like, doesn't doesn't think about it any further than that. And And what seals the deal on this just being a completely, like irredeemably bad way to end like I, I i'm pretty sure this is the last time like hell self like liberation comes up as a concept at all in this story mm -hmm. um uh he gives creature the the other locket and he says creature i'd like you to have this he said pressing the locket into the elf's hand this belonged to regulus and i'm sure he'd want for you to have it as a token of gratitude for what you did um and then, like, you know, it goes on. Creature is clearly so emotionally overwhelmed by this and, like, uh, uh, you know, agrees to follow the order. The thing that I am, like, so confused by and, like, honestly a little haunted by with this, why did J.K. Rowling write this story this way when 
it sure seems like the obvious out for this stupid story <laughs> is for rather than Harry giving an order to his slave, but nicely, why does he not just ask Creature and give, like, like why does he not just give him the locket? Like, like this is, like, like on multiple levels, it fail, it like, it fails to be a satisfying story here because it's like, okay, one, just on its face, it's a creepy, like, a creepy outcome that doesn't take into account the like slavery rhetoric it's using either accidentally or maliciously, whatever. It's a stupid thought experiment that went too far in this series. Um opportunity to free creature because let, let, let's let's back up here harry is a slave owner mm -hmm. in this series now which is something i keep forgetting about and keeps hitting me like a truck every time i remember that harry owns creature yeah and it's every time it comes up too which it likes to keep reminding us of it's like oh harry's the reluctant slave owner and i'm like oh my <laughs> god yeah which is like that is nutty so like the why you wouldn't take the first opportunity you could to to like exit off that freeway i i don't understand but also one of the things that has been like so key to the stupid house elf stories is everyone saying like again like like i said this is like a classic shitty rhetoric answer but like oh um the house elves like being slaves and they would not know what to do if they weren't but it sure seems like given creatures hugely emotional reaction to harry giving him this gift that like it would not be a stretch to assume that, like, if Harry freed Creature and then gave him this thing to show his real gratitude and then asked him to do a asked him to do this, not told him, but asked him to help them. And the creature was able to do that or not do that of his own free will. Like, that is, you know, still messy, but like, that is the e pretty easy escape vector I see out of this shitty story, right? And it's weird that all the pieces are there and J.K. Rowling did not go that direction. I don't know why the lesson is that slavery is good. Right. Yeah. It's, cra <laughs> it's crazy. Because this is the this is the end of this arc. This is this is the, the, the like the last time that we get an opportunity to like address the the house self thing. Yeah, and I mean this is also the the culmination of Hermione's arc. And and I definitely agree with people who say that the read is that, and I, I, I agree with them. I disagree with their conclusions about it, that the, mm -hmm. the read of Hermione's character is an activist that goes too far and doesn't consider mm -hmm. the needs or wants of the people she's trying to serve. Right. Mm -hmm. Because this is her reasonable moment. This is her coming off of being a slavery abolitionist and deciding just to be nice <laughs> to them. And that and that's like that is and, and again it is delivered in this way where it is Hermione saying what is good and right. You know, this isn't yeah. her character thing. Like it's not a character telling me something flawed for me to draw my own conclusions about. It is very directly telling the reader what you should think about it. Yeah. Holy yep. shit. That yeah. is grim. It's, yeah, it's dark. Like, it is... <sighs> just another thing on the pile for Hermione's character, too, right? But just, like, like th th for this moment that is, like, the author 
more or less reaching out and speaking directly to the reader, presumably written directly to address criticism that she was tired of getting about the house elf stuff. Um, it comes up real short in that department. I mean, this is this is the liberal textbook, you know. And I, I'm, I'm sorry <laughs> uh-huh. for getting so fired up about this, but I, I think that it is no. it is remarkable to see this in a book that I mean, I guess until recently was was pretty. The series has been up on a pedestal for a while, um, mm. and to see this kind of thing, and I and I guess the the like liberalism is in it is is this arc of Hermione's character where it's like. Young people are unrealistic, right? You say you want universal health care. Mm-hmm. You say you say you want pri- you say you want prison abolition, uh, but it's it's not it's not realistic. You don't know how the world works. And Hermione is growing up, and she's become a mom, and a quote unquote mom. And has realized that and, slavery will never. And be she abolished. realized it is unrealistic to abolish slavery. Oh my god! Not o- not only. Is it unrealistic to abolish slavery as an institution? But she does not even float the idea of Harry personally freeing his own slave. Right. Like she can't even she can't even advocate it advocate for it in her personal life anymore. Yeah, I I, I think I I just am a little bit in shock um, by this. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It is. It's it's really grim. This (laughs) like it's and it's extremely telling i totally i i think that i i really although i want to say people should read another book if if anyone out there is shocked by jk rowling's current situation and Mm -hmm. is like you know how 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 could this have happened how could you have gone from writing these very humane you know um like well-meaning books and ended up here. I I would invite that person to reread Deathly Hallows. Yeah. Uh the the politics have always been here in this series, uh but especially these last two books, I think. Um I, yeah, I just they're, they're the the like out of touch uh like centrist liberal mindset is just like permeated through here but it's very it, what what i find funny is that even without this like slavery arc um it would have always been there right yeah like, we, we've talked about it in 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 every uh every book and it's not even um it's not even exclusive to harry potter right like i would say most media i i would say like the the, the lion's share of all media in the world has that particular uh, uh political stance and like that's just something you've got to be aware of and pick through, uh, you know, at your own uh, leisure as you consume media. Mm-hmm. I think I think that is that is just how it is. Um, uh, it is almost I would say it's like almost uninteresting to point out how many things have this point of view. Mm-hmm. What I do find hilarious is that unlike most other series. Uh, J.K. Rowling managed to find the one thing that would like put that worldview <laughs> under a microscope, uh, and and write herself into a corner that would be impossible to escape without thinking any harder. <laughs> with with her dumbass thought experiment of like, what if there was a race of creatures that enjoyed being slaves? 
like completely unnecessary in the first place. Uh, we we talked about it at length in book four, but like so funny that that chicken coming home to roost here now is just like there was just no way there was no way for her like ideologically to get out of this trap that she set for herself like <laughs> that she had to comment on uh, uh the role of of uh slavery in the capitalist wizarding world i mean, I mean uh, it's kind of similar to the the turf manifesto in that it's yeah. like she's uh you know <laughs> like spreading around this propaganda but every time that she deviates from like the party line the the stuff that has been kind of engineered in the in the turf lab it just is it's just crazy like you're just like lady what are you talking about (laughs) yeah it just becomes complete nonsense as soon as she like has to comment on anything that someone else hasn't already provided a blueprint for her to comment on like because 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 i will say you know outside of like i don't know maybe the gore series i don't know if there's much even even in in like the trashiest of fantasy novels, uh, race that enjoys being slaves is not really. Uh, there's not really a blueprint for that. I don't think. <laughs> like she invented that one herself. That that is quite <laughs> that is quite the corner that you have to write yourself into to end up being like uh. Slavery, slavery's good, we guess, right? Like here in yeah, my well, seventh book of a it's, series, it's bad, but it's bad. But what do you? What can you do about it besides being nice? Wow. Um, I, I'm sorry. Uh, like, I, I want to stop going off, but I can't. I, Go off. I think there's another nugget in here that is easy mm-hmm. to, to miss because of all the, like, insane slavery is good stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But there's this part where Hermione is giving this speech and she talks um, about how um, uh, Regulus was just doing what was right with for his family, which was... To join Voldemort and yes. to protect uh-huh. the pure blood line or whatever. Um, yeah. And and this is like a, a just another moment where I'm like, I don't I don't know why she decided to like write a like a complex political story with just virtually no understanding of it. Like again, this is another thing that comes up a lot, is that it's about how Harry Potter is about fighting fascism, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously, I know liberals don't understand fascism, like, at all, um, except it's, like, mean, I guess, and, like, Donald Trump is fascism stupid, Fascism is when, right? when I don't like something. <laughs> right. Yeah. But this moment where Hermione, again, in, his, in her, like, looking at the camera moment, and is like, he was just doing what was best for his family, which was join the fascists, and I'm just like, they're fucking dead, because fascism is a <laughs> death cult. Right? And it's like, you, you're... I I really do think that a pillar of this story is is about how you can like work through like complex ideas like this with like childlike logic. Obviously, I don't agree with that, but that's where you end up by saying like, mm-hmm. well, regular student was best for his family as they all lay dead because of fascism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like who's who's alive? Narcissa, Bellatrix. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, and Narcissa is like being held hostage in her own house, and her son yeah. is like a miserable, like torture guy. Otherwise, yeah. they'll all be killed. And Bellatrix is insane. Yeah, yeah, he was doing what was best for his family, uh, getting them involved with <laughs> with the uh, with the the famously successful murder death cult. It's just. This is so stupid. 
Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's not even a like. Again, just like the why doesn't Harry just free creature thing? There is an easy out there. You could just say that you know Regulus felt pressured or like oh because of the culture Regulus grew up in he just didn't think about it right like why why back yourself into the the corner here why 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 uh, come up with um, I don't know he was just doing what he thought was best like I because clearly the, the evidence is all around them that it was not the best right like it, it's just it's just ridiculous. I'm so tired. This this was a really fun chapter from that perspective. Just in terms of like I I I really want to like the creature scene. His story specifically, not not the Hermione stuff. Um because I like creature as a character and I think what I like about creature uh, when he first appeared in like book four or five or whatever, was that e- even though his like his loyalties were to the bad guy, I thought it was fun to have a character as like sort of a foil for Dobby in that like <laughs> he uh, he is also very free spirited, but like in kind of being mocking to his owners, mm-hmm. right? And like I thought that that was like kind of a, a like just that's just like an interesting character dynamic for for a new a new character to have, um, and it is so disappointing for his story to be concluded this way, of him like not getting to continue to be free spirited, right? Like he he is still a slave just to a nicer owner. I guess. Uh, and that is the end of his arc. And that is really depressing to think about on so many levels, like both for him as a character and also for like what an unimaginative author is responsible for him. Right. Just like a bummer on all levels. Yeah. I just let him be a funny little guy. <laughs> that is the, 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 cr- the critical issue with the house elves. These could just be funny little guys. But they can't. They've got to be little guys that love being slaves. And that's not very funny at all. It's not. I just want them to be funny little guys. Dobby is. <laughs> Dobby's a funny little guy because he's free. And he, they don't have to. It, it, Dobby being freed at the end of book two is such a funny thing to me now because it is It is no longer. It's so, it is so obvious that it is not a statement about the institution of of wizard elf slavery it is just so he can continue being a funny little guy in the rest of the series without all the characters having to think about slavery. Yeah, it should have stayed that way. And, and you know, I, I think <laughs> that the really, like, fatal flaw is that, like, there shouldn't have been house elves at Hogwarts. And it should have no. just been the Malfoys that had Dobby. And then exactly. people on the subreddit could go on sometimes and be like, anyone think how fucked up it is that wizards have slaves sometimes? And, yeah. then, and then just, that's all it is, right? Like, this... It's so yeah. gross, and I don't know why it's here. And 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 like we've been saying, it just it it is so unnecessary, and like backed backed the author into such a funny corner, like like guys, like just just miserable on all levels. Critical damage from this. I I I, <laughs> I think that like 
That's the thing is like the creature story. And I said at the beginning that it was the most compelling. And, and that's only because at any point that it was creature talking about himself and his personal story here, I, yeah. I'm like, that's compelling. And I think that like the part that's written where he really is just like pitiful and that tragedy that's happening here. I, I think that she can only write personal stories between <laughs> people experiencing like personal tragedy and anytime it tries to go outside of that and make any kind of wider comment it it is it's a disaster and it's and it's we're in a position in book seven as well where like a sad tra tragic personal story can't just be a sad tragic personal story anymore right like the mirror of Erised is still one of my favorite chapters in this whole series, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm imagining, like, imagine if that chapter appeared now in this book. Like that chapter works because it is so easily, like, it's practically a short story, and it's like practically divorced from any grander Wizarding World context. Um, whereas this sad story, like, I, I do feel bad for Creature, I do like Creature and find him interesting as a character outside of his, uh, like, existence as a prop for this insane, like, slaveholder diatribe. Um, the, the problem is that it just, ca it can't be, it can't just be that, it can't be a sad story just involving Creature, it has to, like, pull together all of these plot threads and world building threads about this like new espionage slash politics allegory that jk rowling has converted this story into and so like it's frustrating that it can't even just be like a good personal moment like it, it can't it, it isn't allowed to be that it just it has to also be part of this statement and like that's a bummer like like because it, it's it does a disservice to the the few good ideas that are here, even. Yeah. I still think this was the best chapter so far. Yeah, that's saying a lot, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the best chapter we've read so far, and uh, that should tell you how we're feeling about this book so mm -hmm. far. <laughs> mm. <laughs> oh, should we... Is there anything else you'd like to say about this chapter, or should we take a break? Let's take a say? break. All right, we'll take a break, and then we'll be back to cleanse our palates with some lovely ending oh, ideas. Oh, thank God. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Um... I am so happy that we have settled into such a groove with the third segment in this in these trying times while we're reading this awful, awful book. Um, there is something very comforting about uh, reading the sort of like wide eyed and optimistic visions people had for this thing going into it. Yeah, I think we've gotten um, a lot of good feedback yeah. uh, on this yeah. segment, and I'm so glad because it's. It's a balm to my soul. Uh, I can't. I can't take more curses um, after after news and chapter these mm -hmm. days. So I'm I'm loving these. Yeah, I'm gonna have to work really hard to find something else for a third segment once we run out of these. Like we do have a lot of them, but I don't think we have enough to carry us through an entire novel. Um, 
Um, so I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be feeling some pressure trying to find something that isn't just mm. just abjectly nightmarish like the rest of uh, rest of the book <laughs> is right now. And and how most and how uh-huh. let's be honest, most of the things I found for the third segments previously uh, were were deeply deeply troubling. It happens. I um randomly stumbled across that incredible New Yorker article again recently. The like Pokemon mm. fanfic one, the like how the, like, how did you do that? <laughs> the, the Pikachu's thirtieth birthday one. I was uh-huh. going through our old SoundCloud or our, our SoundCloud uh, uh, comments and saw one on there. But uh, but that brutal. Ooh, we've we've covered some some dark dark stuff on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are going to continue reading these delightful endings, starting with this one, which is very silly, but I thought you might appreciate. Mm. From July 4th, 2007. Harry has now become addicted to the game World of Warcraft. He was an orc warlock and had met many a human had met a human warlock named Voldemort. He went up and then Voldemort sent a strike and killed Harry's character. Harry got angry and hit the screen, cracking it and making a lightning shaped scar. So is this like an AU where they're not wizards and are just playing World of Warcraft? I don't know. Well, I mean, the prompt is that this is a... This is the ending of book seven. So so maybe Harry, after after defeating Voldemort, got in, into WoW. That's that that. And, and then maybe there was just a troll player who named their character Voldemort, maybe. Mm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I take issue with um, Harry playing a warlock. <laughs> what do you think Harry would play? Probably like a paladin. Like, yeah, he'd be like human paladin, human warrior. He'd just like pick the most uh, normal thing, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you're... Because like Voldemort being a warlock makes yeah. sense. Or like fake Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that Harry would... Like, I, I think Harry might play a mage. But he's like... A, he, he's, a, he's a mage in real life, mm-hmm. so maybe not. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think... I was about to say maybe he'd be a pet class because he like he misses Hedwig, but but that might be too much work for him because this would have been Burning Crusade era. That would be a nightmare. He would he would never learn how to play that. <laughs> he play um, uh, magic magic damage hunter with arcane shot. <laughs> um, what what would Dobby play in World of Warcraft? This is a fun yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dobby, I think Dobby would be a healer, surely. Mm. Um, and I bet he would be like a disc priest, maybe, because that one has like the most like AOE heals, I think. Is that true? 2007? Mm. I think it's all, I think it's, oh, back, yeah. I I don't know. Um, I, I think that maybe he'd be like a druid. Mm. I think that he, because he's a funny little, a funny guy, little guy, and I, I think that he would enjoy the idea of like transforming into it. Like he still might the do funny big like guys. healing, but he might he might enjoy being like a tree or a moonkin. And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, look at me! I'm a big funny guy now. Yeah, right. I could see that. Yeah, he he see he. I bet he would be delighted in basically anything he chose. That's wonderful. He's he's just there to have some. Snape's fun. a rogue. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> Snape's a rogue and only plays on PvP servers. Maybe he only does battlegrounds, honestly. Yeah, he probably he probably just camps low level areas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, okay, let's. We could talk about this forever, probably, but we should move on to a real ending here. Mm-hmm. Everyone looked around, waiting for the mist to disappear. Someone was destroyed in front of them. <laughs> and someone else was laying on the ground next to the destroyed body. Harry was laying there, and Voldemort was destroyed. <laughs> Hermione and the heirs of Ravenclaw, Hufflepuff, and Gryffindor were all around them, and Hermione was crying. She knew that Harry was dead, she said, although Ron did not want to believe that his best friend was no longer going to talk to him, not even going to breathe. Ginny was (laughs) crying. Damn, he's not going to talk to me or breathe. Ginny was crying, too. The Avada Kedavra hit him where the scar is, said Zachariah Smith, the Hufflepuff heir. <laughs> There's some lore being okay. constructed here. Okay. Not right. even Fox could save him. When it received the Avada Kedavra in front of him, the bird died, but the curse hit Harry anyway. Oh, that's so sad. That's a twofer. No more bird death. Maybe he's not dead, guys. Mummy died trying to destroy Voldemort's Horcrux, but she wasn't Harry Potter, said Luna dreamily. Don't be such a jerk, Luna. Not even Harry could survive another killing curse, said Ron angrily. Don't do that, Ginny. Otherwise, you will make me drown. No one could believe when they heard Harry's voice. Ginny kissed him immediately. Hermione did the same with Ron. (laughs) Wait, hang on. (laughs) Okay. All right, Hermione. Uh, um, Luna and the others were happily shouting He's not dead, he's not dead What happened, Harry? Hermione could hardly ask, fighting against her tears My blood was what made him come back to life that night in the Triwizard Contest When he killed me, Mm -hmm. he could no longer live because my blood was in his veins Fortunately, he hit me in the scar, which was a horcrux Accidentally made the night he killed my mom and dad Oh, hey, alright, they got that one right so, sort of. Yeah. Uh, for some moments, Dumbledore visited me in a dream when I fainted. He explained to me everything. Now, wait, that's, that's also, also true. Right. Okay, all right. Uh, now Fox and him may rest in peace, and so may us all," said Luna, smiling. <laughs> some tears were falling mm. from her face, and our family may keep living with dignity, honor, and our ancestral blood. Godric Gryffindor, Ron said proudly. <laughs> They all smiled and hugged each other. Some minutes later, the Order of the Phoenix entered in the Chamber of Gringotts, and the heroes explained they all hit Voldemort, weakening him, and then how he hit Harry with the killing curse, destroying himself. Harry noticed that he no longer had the scar, but he didn't care. As long as he could have his best friends and his girlfriend near him, he would be happy and would live happily ever after. I really like this one. It, it really nailed a lot it's, of stuff. It's a little spooky how much this one nails. Um, although the thing I'm most interested in is the um, the 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 heirs of the different houses. Yeah, thing. that is very interesting to me. What is that all about? So Zacharias is the heir of Ravenclaw, or uh, he's no, sorry, he's the heir of Hufflepuff. Ron is very proud to be the heir of Gryffindor. His family may keep living with dignity, honor, and our ancestral blood, Ron said proudly. <laughs> uh, I Yeah, I love this idea. I'm not sure what the... I guess this is implying that Harry like had to gather all of the 
the heirs, kind of like Link gathering the sages in Ocarina of Time. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's that big of a leap. And honestly, having a hunt for characters, yeah. even ones that we knew, is probably more interesting than a hunt for yeah. objects that characters yeah. we've never met had. That's a good point. Um, I think that you get into a little bit of uh, some dangerous territory with uh, ancestral blood. <laughs> the honor of my ancestral uh, blood, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, especially in Harry Potter where like the bad guys are very interested in their pure blood lines. Um, and, and also, wizard genealogy doesn't seem that complicated since there were seven families, so I'm not sure why Ron wouldn't know that he's the heir of Gryffindor. <laughs> but I like the, I like the yeah. idea. Like you said, there, there is some, there is some um, interest in the idea of assembling these, like, Hogwarts Avengers, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, to defeat defeat Voldemort. I don't think it's that big of a leap. They they also uh, so like guessing that the scar was a horcrux is not a huge leap. But getting mm-hmm. getting both that and Dumbledore visited me in a dream and explained everything mm-hmm. and then coming back to life is a little yeah. spooky how 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 specifically they nailed that one. I mean, I think also the horcrux was I, I think that Voldemort did make it accidentally yes. on the night yep. that so, pretty, pretty good. good. Uh, that one's uh, that one's definitely accurate, which is interesting. Only the crashing of breaking crests hitting the shore broke the silence until she finally said, "And you're sure you don't want to come back? This is your final decision." My dear Minerva, Dumbledore responded, let us be honest. Do you think that after all that has happened, all that I've put them through, all the grief, even at times purposefully allowing my students to stray into danger, that it would be wise for me to return to Hogwarts or even the wizard community? How do you suppose my homecoming will be received? I dare say it would be met with contempt and dismay. People might perceive that I had tricked them, or perhaps they would not, as they did with Voldemort. Uh, Believe I am truly... Uh, they would not believe I am truly back that perhaps it is a trick or some form of dark magic. She stared at him through her square spectacles, her brow furrowed in stern disbelief, but then her face fell slightly and she looked away, letting the sound of the waves waft over her. I, of course, really do not mind, nor have I ever minded what others think of my actions, but it would not be worth the bother. No, I think it would be best if I remained removed from any magical contact until I expire in a quiet, peaceful manner. McGonagall continued to say nothing, still staring out at the endless sea. That, of course, continued Dumbledore, is not to say that I am not proud of all that I have done, especially all Harry has done. I must admit that while I believed he would succeed, I did not expect him to live through his ordeal, which only goes to show that I can indeed be wrong sometimes. Dumbledore stretched out on his beach blanket and rubbed some sun lotion into his long, crooked nose, grinning serenely as a tear fell out of McGonagall's beady eye and down her cheek. That didn't end in scar. I think we might be past the scar ones now. I think we might be in the update territory. Wonderful. Think no holds barred. Everything is legal now. That's right. I I respect this one. And it is because and I think someone even pointed this out to us on Twitter or like commented mm-hmm. on it. So I'm kind of I'm borrowing this a little bit, which it is very funny that in people's imagined endings, they imagined the ending is like the climax. Yeah, yes. But there's no there's no um there's nothing. It's like and Voldemort was dead and Harry yeah. was like I don't have a scar. Mm-hmm. The end, <laughs> which is very funny, but this one is like a a very realistic ending. 
like this would be the end of the book, mm-hmm. right? A kind of epilogue where it's like Dumbledore and McGonagall are hanging out and it's like, oh, Dumbledore is alive mm-hmm. and retired. Yeah. Yeah. This one, this one does have, this one feels like an epilogue more than mm-hmm. any of the other ones. Um, I, I, I like, this one's really funny because I really like the image of, of like, Vol- of uh, Dumbledore chilling on the beach and being like, nope, I'm good. Um, it's like a cute, this is like a cute post-credit sequence, for lack of a better comparison. Um, yeah. But it is very funny that it is just three paragraphs of Dumbledore explaining his entire character arc to McGonagall. <laughs> but I like I like the idea. I think it's cute. Yeah. This one uh, is is uh, a shorter one. Some mm. of these I have discovered um, have a. If you hover over them, they have a like posted by so-and-so from so-and, like, from from random place and the date that they posted them. And this Mm. one I thought I would read because it's from someone in Vancouver, Washington. Oh! Love the true word that saved Harry and only left a mark so much as a lightning-shaped scar that will remain on Harry forever. Love so strongly filled with passion that had protected him all these years, a power stronger than any spell or possession can give you. The power that Voldemort did not carry. Love the only thing that Harry is left with as he rests peacefully with the scar on his forehead. Hermione, Ron, and Neville read aloud. Harry Potter died a brave and courageous hero who sacrificed his life to save others, but he is not truly dead, for his story still remains in our heart. Harry Potter will be only dead when no one speaks of a little boy named Harry Potter who survived the darkest wizard and lived to tell the tale. I'm the boy. I, I am the boy. That was all one sentence, but, uh, but I thought that was a, a fun one to read because it's it's not 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 far. Not far from us. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I like to hear the hear the contributions from our local... Hometown uh, heroes. Uh, Van Tucky, yeah. you know? Harry could just not believe it, how his Aunt Petunia and Uncle Vernon had outdone themselves this year for Harry's 18th birthday. It seemed a lifetime ago when Harry's parents were killed in that horrible car accident. How lucky Harry had been to escape with the only with only a cut on his forehead. Oh well, Harry was permanently disfigured with the lightning-shaped reminder of his parents' love, or more appropriately, of his father's bad driving. But he had lived... <laughs> Brutal. Jesus. <laughs> no one walking past the Dursley residence on Privet Drive would ever believe Harry was anything but a beloved son and brother. Yes, his guardians had given him everything. Something sometimes it seemed to the expense of their own son and Harry's best friend Dudley. They stood by and supported him through the most challenging and difficult times. That is what family and a family's love is supposed to do, and, and supposed to create an unbreakable bond of support. It had not been easy. Uncle Vernon made a modest living in the drill business, but Harry had been expensive. And though they were blessed with the task of raising Harry, there was no insurance money, no inheritance. In fact, nothing left by James and Lily to provide for Harry. How could there have been? Uh, They were dreamers, hippies, as reckless in life as they were in death. But fueled (laughs) only by their love for Petunia's sister Lily, the Dursleys had given Harry wonders beyond his wildest dreams. The best schooling, the best clothing, the best of everything, even the best medical care. After all, weekly meetings with psychiatrists uh, were not cheap, but at least Harry had been released from Hogwarts Asylum after months and months of constant treatment. Uh, maybe this time his delusions were gone forever he seemed to be getting back to normal he even stopped talking about his belief of being a wizard being the boy who lived being the chosen one he stopped trying to persuade the dursleys that there had ever been a sorcerer's stone a chamber of secrets a prisoner of azkaban a goblet of fire an order of the phoenix or a half-blood prince 
<laughs> just in case you aren't picking up what this person's laying down here. <laughs> what is the appeal of this? <laughs> and now Harry was enjoying his 18th birthday with his aunt, his uncle, and his best pal, Dudley. The tickets have been expensive, but now Harry enjoyed the theater. Deciding that Wicked might remind Harry too much of his dreams, Petunia chose a more oh my conservative God. production. It had received rave reviews, and growing up from time to time, Harry and Dudley seemed just like Pumbaa and Timon. Yes, The Lion King had become a family favorite. The production was inspiring. The music, the costumes, the souvenirs, everything. The Dursleys had even treated the, boy to st- the boys to stuffed animals. Now, after returning from the theater, late and exhausted, the family retired for the evening. Dudley drifted off to sleep. Under the watchful guard of his stuffed Mufasa, Harry, however, saying to himself, I am not a wizard, I am a lucky boy. Uh, He fell asleep clutching his new favorite stuffed toy, a lion named Scar. (laughs) That is quite the setup. Oh, what a massive, yeah, massive setup for this, this reveal. I'm... (laughs) We had that one last week that I think was, like, the best version of the, like, it was all a dream story. I think this might be the worst one. I, you know, sometimes your first idea is not the best <laughs> idea. I will say, I I had to read this one just because the... Uh, the lightning-shaped reminder of his parents' love, or more appropriately, of his father's bad driving, is is such a good line. I yeah, I, honestly, like <laughs> there's a lot going on here. Obviously, the like he was crazy the whole time is not is not the story. The story is the scarving reminder of the bad driving, and then also apparently this whole thing being a setup to do the Lion King. Scarred yeah. joke? Um, not worth. <laughs> I'm not trying to go back in time and beat up on this person from 2007. But... Matt from Ohio, you are being called out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I... Uh, what, a, what a weird one. Um, let's see. Okay, those are all the ones I chose. What do we got here? Let's reach into the grab bag. Uh... There are a lot of um, uh, uh, ones of, of Ron and Hermione visiting Harry's grave at the end that all end the same way. I'm, I'm very curious where that particular theory came from. I, I mean, it makes sense for Harry to die. Yes. You know? Yeah. I think, I think that's a good... Um, uh, uh, I, I think that's like a fair prediction, especially because like it's such a it's such a like Jesus story. Mm-hmm. I think it's honestly a little surprising that he doesn't die in a weird way from like that angle. Yeah, I think I think my big question at the well, I mean, I'm probably gonna have a lot of questions at the end of this book, but my I'm going to wonder if he should have died because I know that it was on her mind. Yeah, yeah, I'd be curious. I think she said that she couldn't bring herself to do it. Or something. That's an interesting thing to say when you're an author. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, let's see. Uh, Voldemort laughed while he stared at Harry, trying to reach out to grab Ron's hand, who had just fell through the veil. Harry's hand went through the thin curtain that divided Harry from Ron, from Sirius, and from Ginny. Oh, no. 
<laughs> the hand that went through the veil hurt horribly. He took it out and saw that it was black and burned like Dumbledore's, and he realized that Sirius wasn't in the veil. Dumbledore had taken him out, and he turned to face Voldemort for the last time. Voldemort laughed and yelled, We've we've done this before, Harry. You can't beat me. Uh, I would just like to point out that every time they've done it before, Harry has beaten Voldemort. <laughs> this is this is a problem that I forgot to bring up during the um the the cave discussion. But Voldemort never does anything cool. He's never done anything successfully in this story. No, I, I'm really glad that I don't feel bad about saying that um, a character can only be as smart as the author. <laughs> I remember having a little bit of guilt, like saying that sort of thing before, and now I now I can say that with just no <laughs> no remorse. Um, yeah. A gigantic Good. chill went through Harry, and he looked behind his back. Two Dementors stood behind him, and he noticed that they didn't seem to have any interest of attacking him. A thrilling thought occurred to Harry as he saw that they had just come out of the veil. Ron? Ginny? The two Dementors nodded at him before charging at Voldemort. He was, to su- he was too surprised what? to realize what was going on. Harry yelled Petrificus Totalus, and his spell hit Voldemort as he fell to the ground. The big Dementor, which Harry assumed was Ron, pushed Ginny out of the way and leaned over Voldemort to kiss him. When the Dementor was done, he turned to Harry, took his wand, and drew a line across his neck, then handed the wand back to Harry, and Harry understood. In order to get rid of Lord Voldemort forever, he would have to kill Ron. He smiled and yelled with his wand facing towards Ron. Avada Kedavra, Ron evaporated, and Harry turned to exit Hogwarts. When someone called him, hey Harry, come here, he turned around to see his father and mother waving at him. He ran towards them and felt a small twinge in the scar. He touched his forehead and felt no scar. As he noticed that, he ran even harder. I'm not sure I quite understand the logistics of what's happening here. No, okay. It's a lot of veil shenanigans. So the veil, okay. So I, there's, there's one thing here that I really like, mm. which is that I love the idea that uh, the reason that Dumbledore's arm is all crusty is because he stuck it in the veil. I think that's brilliant. That's cool. I love that. That's a cool idea, I think. Um, the Dementors being dead people that come out of the veil is an interesting idea, I'll say. I mean, I, I think, I think there is something there. Yeah, there's... Per- I, we've talked about the Dementor come yeah, a lot. We sure And about Dementors. <laughs> yes, and, like, sure Dementors, have. like, reproducing, and what on earth are those things about? Mm-hmm. And I kind of, like, I kind of like, like, I don't know, like, we know that they have the skeletal hands. Yeah. Um, I w- and, and like, I'm connecting the dots mm-hmm. between, like, skeletal hands of the Dementors and, like, Dumbledore putting his hand in the veil and mm-hmm. it coming out like a Dementor's hand. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think you can connect some dots here. Yeah. Potentially even in an interesting way. Yeah. I also, as as hilarious as the exchange is, I like the idea that Ron as a Dementor indicates that the only way for Voldemort to truly die is if then he dies as a Dementor because he has sucked Voldemort's soul out. Again, some intriguing ideas here. Some intriguing ideas here. Why Harry uses Avada Kedavra on a Dementor and not as Patronus, I'm not sure, but but whatever. Now, what I'm very curious about is he him turning around and seeing his dad and mom there... I don't understand what the implication here is at all. I'm not sure if he died. Right. Is, is he dead? Is this all a dream? 
or did they come out of the veil? Here's a question, and I'm not trying to be mean. Yeah. Is this, this, um, did this reader completely miss that the veil is the veil of death? You know, Ah. like just like 100%. They, right. Uh, Because I, I think that they might have read that and been like, hey, what was up with that art? Right. What's behind and, this and cool so, curtain? Right. And so <laughs> maybe if you miss that symbolism, yeah, uh, you might th- necessarily think it's going to come back. Right. Like you might be like, what was up with that? Yeah. I actually wonder. I actually do not know like how international or like how universal the um the concept of like the veil is right right yeah because i could totally see that being being missed if you don't have that cultural context context. yeah i'm very yeah i'm actually curious about that i don't know um how how universal a like uh, you know how how recognized a symbol that is outside of like western culture Right, because I mean it's immediately apparent. Mm-hmm. Just, I mean, even the chapter is called "Beyond the Veil." Yeah, but if that's not you, your, you know, a, a turn of phrase or whatever, yeah, yeah. then huh. uh, then it, it doesn't it doesn't explain itself at all. Yeah, I'm very. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not sure how whether that's like common, like whether that's something that's sort of like cross cultural, or whether that's like pretty exclusively a, a, a Western thing, huh? Yeah, that'd be interesting. It, the, this post doesn't say where they're from, so there's no no clue there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, uh, mystery. If if anyone if anyone listening has any insight on this, uh, let me know because I'm I'm actually very curious to know if that's a, a, a common uh, image or not. Um, yeah, I mean we talked about it with the Horcruxes a lot. Yeah. Um, but but that's kind of a another one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think it was also a very popular idea that the veil would come back. It even should. It's such a cool you, thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and even if you obvi- like caught the obvious, um, uh, like, what it is supposed to be mm-hmm. or what it's supposed to symbolize, it, it is pretty, like, appears in one scene as a physical, magical object and never appears again. Yeah. God, everything kind of in thing. the Department of Mysteries, honestly, is, like some of the coolest imagery that she ever came up with as like, as funny as the brains are or whatever, like, like the veil room is really neat. Uh, Mm -hmm. and we just never see anything like that again. And it sort of just fades away. Uh, I remember as a teen, I used to, um, hope that Sirius could come back. And my reasoning was that like, yeah, when you die, your soul goes beyond the veil, but maybe him falling behind the veil, like, still intact with his body would mean that he could be recovered, because mm. that's, like, unprecedented. Mm-hmm. I could see that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that they, that, that could have been played around with, uh, with the veil that just never did, I think. No fun allowed. No, no fun allowed, yeah. Harry waited just inside the main gate of Hogwarts. He was scared. The moment of truth was almost upon him. He was going over and over it in his mind. Don't use your wand, Lupin told him. It's just what Voldemort wants you to do, said Mad-Eye. You were just lucky with the prior incantatum last time. You can't win against him that way, warned Arthur. Wow, like, (laughs) the the confederacy of dads here. (laughs) Um, But there was another voice in his head, a calmer voice, a familiar voice, a voice that warmed him all over and almost made him forget 
where where he was and what was about to happen. Match the Use spells. The force, Dumbledore Luke. said inside his head. Match the spells. Mm. As Harry waited, he remembered the last time. Voldemort had done the Avada Kedavra. He had done Expelliarmus. Match the spells, Dumbledore repeated. <laughs> the air changed suddenly, and Harry found it hard to breathe. This was it. Harry calmly stepped from behind the wall and stood to face face to face with Voldemort. As if they were both in the same slow-motion ballet, Harry and Voldemort Ooh. raised their wands and shouted in unison, Avada Kedavra! Harry expected the wands to connect, but he was not prepared for what happened next. Red light burst forth from Voldemort's wand and green light from Harry's wand met between them, and that contact point of the beams exploded with an ear-splitting crash, a blinding light, and such force that Harry was thrown backwards several feet and landed on the ground on his back. As his senses cleared, he immediately realized everything was completely different. He didn't feel like himself. He tried to accio his wand, which had ended up laying several feet away from him, and it didn't come. He got up and looked around and immediately saw where Hogwarts should have been was an old abandoned ruin with a condemned sign hanging on the front door. <laughs> oh no! Harry felt an emptiness he had never felt before. He was no longer a wizard. He looked back over to where he had seen Voldemort last and instead saw an old man waving a wand around uselessly like a child. Voldemort wasn't a wizard anymore either. Harry walked up to old Tom Riddle, reared back, and punched him hard in the face. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, Riddle fell back in a heap, unconscious. Hermione and Ron ran up to Harry. Harry, what did you do? pleaded Ron. No one can do magic anymore. It's all gone. Harry couldn't answer. He just looked away. He had to do it, said Hermione. As long as there was magic, there could always be another Voldemort. God, that is that is a great example of a very good conclusion that nobody wants. Like that's yeah. like one of those ones where it's like, yeah, this was like well-constructed. It's obvious that it would have been leading here, but it just makes you feel bad. Yeah. I, I do really like the, uh, if, if like getting rid of magic thing, that's a very interesting idea. Like, if no mm -hmm. one can be trusted with it, we, we should just get rid of it for everybody. By, by, I'm, not right. sure, I'm not sure how that happened. I guess by matching the spells, but... Uh, yeah, by some sort of Pokemon Stadium minigame uh, <laughs> <laughs> situation. But um, it, I, I, like, I like the ideas here. I do think that would have been a huge bummer. Yeah, I think everyone would have hated it, but I think it would have been a thematically interesting ending. Mm -hmm. um, I am... I am having a lot of fun with the, it's very, I, I like that they managed to conjure such an interesting, like, like meta text here. Like, like the, like the story itself that, that, they're, that they, that they have imagined here. It's very interesting. The like actual textual logistics of what happens here are nonsense in a way that I really like. <laughs> I like that Harry was apparently just hanging out behind a pillar with Lupin, Mad-Eye, and Arthur Weasley, who I guess were his hype men, ready for this duel that he was about to have with Voldemort <laughs> that happened yeah. as soon as he stepped out. That's uh -huh. a very funny picture to me. Yeah, it's kind of got some, like, boxing yeah. energy to it. Um, <laughs> I Ever since we read um, the wedding chapter where Crumb talks about, like, beating kids up that had the... Um, the uh, 
Deathly Hallows. Uh, yeah. The Deathly Hallows. I, I've been obsessed with the idea of like there being more punching in Harry Potter. So I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate um, Harry punching Voldemort as well. <laughs> I just, yeah, this old, he just walked up to old Tom Riddle, reared back and punched him in the face. And, and Tom Riddle is like, probably like 80, yeah. right? Like he's like an old man. <laughs> yeah, he just knocked this guy out. Uh, uh, that's a, and, and then they, and then they just like don't acknowledge it after that. Like that is a very no. He's he got punched and disappeared. <laughs> yeah, so a very thematically very interesting ending. Uh, logistically hilarious ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, let's see. Um, God, there's like a whole bunch of it was all a dream ones here today. Everyone, everyone really got on that. Uh. I, I really just have a lot of curiosity about what the motivation to write something like that is. Just because if I think about it, I'm like, that sucks. And nobody wants that. Yeah. Yeah. So. so This one is very interesting and I have no idea what to make of it. Mm. It was Harry's new house in Godric's Hollow. All was messed up in his room under his snow-white owl Hedwig's cage was a page of the Daily Prophet. The Chosen One finally killed the most feared person feared by the wizarding world, Lord Voldemort. No need to be scared, as he is dead. Let's hear the tragic story from Harry Potter himself. It was the night of Halloween, and then in brackets, Lord Voldemort's birthday and death day. I was after his last Horcrux, explanation of Horcrux on page five. His snake Nagini, when continued on page 11. Oh, I see. It's newspaper formatting. I see what they mm, do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work quite well in forum post format here. I see. A newspaper article, an interview with Harry as he killed Halloween on Lord Wollmer's birthday and death day. I think that Harry Potter never. Um, it's weird that. Harry's parents were killed on Halloween and then it just never never brings that up as like a motif or Mm -hmm. talks about it at all yeah it's so weird Halloween is such a like fun potent fantasy image thing Mm -hmm. and it just never really comes up and also like Harry this is this is a little I'm putting a quarter in our cinema sins jar but this is this Mm -hmm. is one that comes up on the subreddit and on Twitter a lot that I actually do think is very funny which is that Halloween is when Harry's parents were murdered. But every time it's Halloween in the books, he doesn't really seem to think anything about that. And he just wants to go to the Halloween feast. Yeah, pretty much. And he doesn't he doesn't say anything about it. That never really comes Not up. Not affected. Yeah. Okay. So obviously these are all from before the book released. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that this one really, really hammers home what 2007 was like. Wonderful. Harry opens his eyes. Dazed after being thrown back by the power of the Expelliarmus spell, Harry quickly glanced to his left. His wand had landed by the Colosseum wall. It was over. Voldemort assioed the wand with a wry smile and broke it in two. As Voldemort moved closer to Harry, he tried to flee, but his legs wouldn't work. His back was broken from the fall. Voldemort crouched next to the paralyzed Harry and pushed his wand up to his neck. It's over, Harry Potter. No longer will you be the boy who lived. (laughs) Suddenly, there was a rustle in the dirt. Voldemort and Harry looked up. Chuck Norris was standing in the ring with them. Oh, no. A swift roundhouse kick to Voldemort's face vanquished the foe. 
Harry looked up, dazed at his savior. A flash of light split across Harry's face and darkness fell over him. Ron and Hermione arrived seconds later to find Harry and Voldemort dead in the ring. As they stared at their departed friend, they could not help but notice the lightning scar was gone, replaced by a badass footprint. Love couldn't save Harry from Chuck Norris. Harry is thus remembered as the boy who died like all the others that came into contact with Chuck Norris. That really was what it was like in 2007. <laughs> like, yeah, it super was. Yeah. All the time, everywhere. All the fucking time. Um, um, I had. I, I was going to give this a lot of credit because when it started out, I was like, this is a, a pretty good, like, I can picture this as a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I still can. I could. You can't picture Chuck Norris giving Voldemort an epic roundhouse kick. I guess kick. you know. You know what? I I definitely can. You're right. <laughs> I in 2007, I had at my at my school, um, we had a, a like anti-bullying assembly mm-hmm. by that. Um, I don't know if your school ever had this. The like fr- was it the Oprah program? No, it was Friends of Rachel. Oh. Oh, yeah, we had that, so, too. So do you remember what happens at one point in the Friends of Rachel presentation? Uh, where they got, they got a, like, a video interview thing with Chuck Norris telling kids to be nice to each other? Because that happened in, in one of my... I definitely went to that assembly. I don't remember that in specific. I, it is... But that, but that's the thing, because that's what 2007 was like. So it might, it might not have stuck out to me. Like, <laughs> right, that, yeah. like that, that is the dark reality is that I definitely I saw it and I might have seen that and been like, yeah, that's normal. It was it was surreal because it was it so it was the it was Friends of Rachel, which for those of you those of you who don't know it it was a it is a foundation set up by the parents of one of the girls who died in the Columbine shooting. Mm-hmm. And the presentation is ninety percent I mean, it, it's it's nightmarish. It's it's like mostly just like news footage of Columbine set over ominous synth music. And that's telling you why why it's bad. Um, but then, like, at the end, it was just like, and here's some short films. And one of them was, like, uh, a short film with no dialogue of, like, girls at a lunch table laughing at a girl who tries to sit with them. And then she doesn't get to sit with them. And, and then, and then like, what, what if it happened the nice way? And then they do let her sit with them. And then mm-hmm. the next video is, like, Chuck Norris being like, hey, kids, it's cool to be nice to each other. And, and like, the, like... Even as, like, a, you know, a child watching this, I was like, this is weird. Like, the tone of this is very weird. I'm getting whiplash a little bit here. The the only the only conclusion I can draw is that I, I, yes, I definitely saw it. I must have been like, yes, this is normal. <laughs> it's, so I have no special It could also be that maybe I saw it a little later. Maybe they mm. added the Chuck Norris thing, like... Later on, maybe I got an earlier, yeah. earlier version. Because they've been doing it for like decades at this point. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so maybe, maybe the version I saw with Chuck Norris was like a later thing. But I just have such vivid memories of like being in the school assembly and seeing Chuck Norris. I'm like the the thing is like no, like it was clearly set up to be like oh everyone's gonna love this. So like big reaction incoming. No one yeah. said or did anything. <laughs> just just dead silence. <sighs> Public school is a nightmare. School is a nightmare. That's right. Okay, here's a really spooky one. Okay. Epilogue. What happened to the trio? Harry Potter and Ginny Weasley were married when Ginny was 20 and Harry was 21. Four years later, they had James. When James was two, they had Lily. And when Lily was two, they had Evan. 
Harry was first in Auror, helping to capture and sentence all the remaining Death Eaters after Voldemort's defeat. Then at age of 35, he became the head of the Auror office. At age of 45, he became the youngest ever Minister of Magic. He loved that job, but after a while, decided to try something else. So when then headmistress of Professor of uh, Hogwarts, Professor McGonagall retired, he, at 70, became the youngest headmaster ever, a job he held until age 109, at which point he retired. As for Ginny, she loved being a stay-at-home mom until Evan turned 11. Then she turned, began teaching Defense Against the Dark Arts at Hogwarts, a job she held until retiring at age 110. Lily went on to become the head of the Auror office. Evan became part of the magical law enforcement squad, and James became an unspeakable. Since they were married, they had to live in a beautiful Hogsmeade mansion. That doesn't really sound like a had to. <laughs> I hate to live in a beautiful mansion. Ron and Hermione Granger were married oh my when God. they were 22. They had five children, Bill, Jane, Maggie, Arthur, Molly. Ron was an excellent Auror until he retired from that job at age 75, at which point he decided to open <laughs> his own place, very much like the three bloom- broomsticks, only he called it the five wands. <laughs> Ron opened five guys. <laughs> oh my god. Good for him. Hermione stayed at home caring for her children until Molly turned 11 and went to Hogwarts. At this point, she began teaching Transfiguration at Hogwarts. Incidentally, at one point at Hogwarts, Ron was teaching Charms, Hermione Transfiguration, and Harry the Headmaster. Maggie and Molly were both stay at home mothers of five children each. Jane became a healer at Sing Mungo's. Bill became a part of the Department of Magical Cooperation, and Arthur part of the Magical department of games and sports the end why stop there what what did the kids do who'd they marry how many kids did they have no that's them that's what that's what happened there what's what are their kids gonna do we need i think i just like looped back around and (laughs) i can't (laughs) we we need it all we need to go all the way down we need to follow this all the way down i am i am so like they got the specifics wrong but this is basically what the real epilogue is yeah it might as well be (laughs) <laughs> it's also incredibly dark that they specifically nailed down and also all the girls were stay-at-home moms got it got it in one got it in one great job all right let's do one more i want a good one that one was cursed we've yeah. had some we've had I, this is supposed to be a this is supposed to be a good one soothing yeah. my soul um and i i need something good uh, i i i think the one that stuck with me from I think it was last week, um, was maybe the week before was the dark Snape ending where he's in the like chair and he's like, I'm the new dark Lord or whatever. That was the, the Snape Wormtail team up. That was just all really good stuff. So I'm, I'm hoping for something good. You want another Snape one? Yes. All right. Let's roll the dice. Let's see it. Let's see what, let's see about this one. Snape had talked for two hours. Fuck yes. Good start. Good start. Explaining and answering questions from the other members of the order. Unlike his usual brusque conversational style, he had talked freely, and now he leant back on the sofa, looking relieved and more relaxed than anyone had ever seen him. Do you think that Voldemort is truly dead? That we are safe? Asked Lupin. In his form as Voldemort, yes, I believe so, replied Snape tiredly. But evil will always find a way to exist, whatever we do. The battle is endless, but I hope for the moment we have a respite. 
Hermione, now a member of the Order, spoke for the first time. With Harry gone and Ron dead, she had seen, seemed diminished and forever awash with tears. But now her voice held her previous energy as she... <laughs> keep that energy, Hermione. Uh, <laughs> as she jumped from, up from her chair beside Minerva. Harry must be told, she cried. This changes everything. She was cut off by the sound of pounding footsteps outside. And suddenly the heavy oak door crashed and uh, crashed back against the wall. Harry stood there, face furious, wand held at the ready. Moody, his reflexes quicker than the others, aimed a hex which knocked the wand from Harry's hand. It went clattering across the floor, but not before the green light streaked from, from it across the room and hit the defenseless Snape in the heart. With a sound, no! Without a sound, Snape subsided onto the sofa, instantly lifeless. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Harry shrieked Hermione. You've murdered the last person who stood between you and Voldemort. Ignoring her, <laughs> Harry stared down at his old enemy and protector. Keep Harry safe, Dumbledore had ordered Snape, and he had, risking his life and health to do that do so. Fools, both of them. They did not realize that Harry wait. They did not realize that <laughs> Harry needed to be kept safe from Harry. <laughs> what? Oh. Harry knew a momentary pang of guilt, swiftly suppressed, but the angry knot in his stomach began to uncoil. It was his, Harry's destiny, destroy he should be not he should be not be named, not Snape's. Then, somewhere in the distance, Harry heard <laughs> laughter with a grin of triumph. He turned to face the order. Yes, he said, now nothing stands between me and the Dark Lord. And welcoming familiar tingling pain, he reached up to touch his scar. Oh no! Voldemort possessed Harry through the scar. That's so crazy. That's so spoopy. I like that one though. That, that was pretty good. That was a good one. I like I like the idea of Harry kicking open the door and just shooting someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not quite the Snape triumphant ending that is obviously my favorite. Um, but that had a lot of good stuff going on. Not Again, I'm always I'm always delighted by the ones that have just a twist. Like yeah. <laughs> I'll have to look out and see if there's any more Snape ones, because uh, it seems like we're we're running out of them, sadly. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to leave it. What do you say? Yeah, that was wonderful. Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use it as our theme song. You can check them out in Bandcamp, and you can find us at patreon.com slash streetcast. We have lots and lots of fun bonus content there for you all for the low price of three dollars a month and liz what are we reading next week uh we're reading chapter 11 it's called the bribe who the bribe i don't know what that means i have no i have I zero have no, recollection yeah huh no nowhere to go but up as they looks say. like there's gonna be a newspaper article to read uh Please read another book. Please read another book. Makes ocean roll seem tame. Better know what you're after if you catch a eye. Cause this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.